Boys Club. Is it called Boys Club because my apartment looks like a boy lives in it? I wouldn't say a boy lives in it. I would say a boy is kidnapped somewhere in here. Boys Club. We're everything. We're true crime. We're world true, star hip hop. World star hip hop. We're Netflix reviews. Stories of the day. Boys Club. Listen. Yeah, do it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I think. Uh, no, we're not. And on Google Play. Nobody gives a shit. Boys Club. Boys Club podcast. Now with 90% more sound clips of black people. Boys Club. Touch me and I'll sue you. Here at Intoxia Reviews, we intellectually dissect the art of cinema scene by scene. Here's some clips. Oh, he is. It's just a fucking big wooden doll full of cum chasing kids around. <laughs> you look up guys who poop in a bag. I think that's where you'll find them. Because he is hurt. It's probably just in your search history anyway, isn't it? This movie fucking blows. So don't forget to subscribe to Intoxicated Reviews on all places you find podcasts. Except Spotify. We're working on it. Hi there, this is T. Johnny with Quirky and or Queer, a podcast about otherness. Join me as I interview people in the community. I talk to musicians, community workers, artists, comedians, and even my mother about otherness. How does it shape their careers, their romantic pursuits, creative projects, and shape their overall worldview? There are lots of laughs, plenty of tender moments, and some deep conversations. Find Quirky and or Queer on your favorite podcast app. Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. Welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and if you are brand new to Intoxicated, this is a podcast where I usually have my friends, comedians, and various guests on. We talk about life over a couple or many drinks. This week, however, we have a sober episode coming your way, which was very good for me because last week I did a lot of drinking. I was drinking almost every single night. Um, Listen, guys, sometimes you need a break, but also sometimes you come across an amazing guest that is sober, and I do not deny sober guests. In fact, I love hearing that perspective. So this week, I am so excited to have my friend T. Johnny, aka Tyler, on the podcast. He is a new friend of mine who I met through Moxie Munchies. He is responsible for... Some amazing new pictures that I had done. I did a photo shoot with him and I am very grateful for those pictures. T. Johnny is a mega creative person. He is a jack of all trades. He's had quite an interesting life. So this episode is kind of like a two-hour overview of his life, like an audio biography. Ugh, that was bad, I know, but I, I had to say it. But for real, I loved this episode. I loved recording with him. We did this on a Sunday afternoon. We drank coffee. It was a great chat. Uh, and a big theme of this is definitely how you figure out who you are, which I definitely identify with. I definitely identify with people who jump around a lot and don't necessarily follow a linear path. And he certainly hasn't. He has had a lot of life experiences and it's all very fascinating to me. And like I said to you, Johnny is very creative. He is a photographer. He co-runs 
runs a wedding business with Moxie Munchies called Elope Halifax, where they offer affordable wedding packages to couples who just want to essentially get married and have some nice photographs to capture that. It's very cool. And he has his own podcast. So you might have been hearing lately the advertisement at the top of the show for his podcast, Quirky and or Queer. And it's pretty self-explanatory, but it is showcasing people who are either quirky or queer or both. Uh, He has interviews with very interesting people about very important subjects. And it's amazing what he's doing. He's doing a great job on that podcast. I think it's so high quality and so great uh, that early on. So super stoked for T. Johnny. I'm so glad to have met him and have a new friend to kind of share in this crazy world of content creation. I think you guys will really love this episode. So do make sure to follow uh, T. Johnny and Quirky and or Queer on social media. So his Instagram is just T. Johnny. So that is T-E-E and then Johnny. And his podcast is Quirky and or Queer on Instagram. And do make sure to subscribe to that podcast wherever you find podcasts. And hey, uh, you listening, you listener right now, are you following Intoxicated on social media? Because if not, you should be. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast, on Twitter at in underscore toxicated. I hate our handle, but that's what we're working with right now. You can check out the website as well. I will be making changes to this website very soon, but um, you can find all the episodes for Intoxicated and Intoxicated Reviews at intoxicatedpodcast.com. I also wrote a blog post in honor of episode 100 that I'm very proud of that I'd like to share more. So it's all about the podcasting journey, sort of how it happened and what I've learned through podcasting. You can read that blog post on our website as well. Of course, make sure you subscribe, rate and review. If you love the show, you can check out our Patreon page at is patreon.com backslash intoxicated if you want to get some extra content. I do early release. We do bonus episodes about every two weeks. If there's ever an episode that goes long or if I cut certain things from episodes, I will post it on Patreon. Uh, And I am trying to think of some new rewards, hopefully soon, to update that and give you all some more content. But the best way to help out the podcast, if you do like it, if you are a fan, is to tell a friend. So word of mouth, make sure you tell your friends about Intoxicated, recommend it, and get them to subscribe. This month in particular, um, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback about the recent episodes. So thank you to everybody who has been enjoying the podcast and letting me know. I super appreciate that. And I'm very excited for what's to come. But in the meantime, guys, I hope you enjoy this amazing episode with my good friend, the super talented T. Johnny. It makes me feel like I should be singing a Whitney Houston song and I'm like eight drinks in. That's what it makes me feel like. You know, you're like, and I... <laughs> Look at the red spike on that yeah. on the audio. I'm so sorry to whoever just oh will hear gosh. that. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know. Oops. I did, did it again. again. I play with your heart. Got lost, lost in, in the game. game. Oh, oh baby, my baby. baby. Oops. Ooh, I'm re- video recording that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. Copyright. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you pay for this? Do you pay for the streaming of that? How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. YouTube is really bad with copyright. Yeah, I've had some videos blocked and just like just dumped off. Like, and I was like, and it's like, I, you know, the the musician Moby. Mm-hmm. So he has a website where you can download any a lot of his tracks royalty free if you're a non-profit or you're just like a small time creator really so Moby has all these wonderful tracks that you can use you just have to put a little uh, like application in and it's really easy it takes you 10 minutes it takes you 5 minutes really and it's always approved within the same day what the hell but YouTube doesn't recognize that so like if you upload videos with, with Moby's music they instantly just tag mm. it and take it down which is annoying because I really enjoyed he's just got good music that is I never knew that mm-hmm. that's fascinating 
guys, I'm so excited mm, and you. honored to welcome mm-hmm. Tyler slash T Johnny. Yeah, I'm, whatever you want to call me, as long as what you're talking. What do you prefer? Uh, it's interesting because like I chose T Johnny because I kind of reinvented myself a bunch in my 20s, and I don't know how I ended up on T Johnny. I think one of my friends' husbands would just call me T Johnny because I used to go by Tyler John, and I just thought that was interesting. And I worked with youth a lot, so. When you work with youth and then with Facebook and social media, you don't want to be easily tracked down. Yeah. So, oh, hey, that's yeah. actually a really good point. So and it's so, kind of close enough to your real name that exactly. makes sense, but it's far away enough that people wouldn't find you yeah. that easily. And it was like a convenient thing. It was just like I'm T Johnny on Facebook, and that's it. But it's now it's like that's what I call my photography, and so and I that's how I sign off on the podcast. And yeah, yeah. okay, T. Well, you know what? Fuck it. We're here with T Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Because Tyler's dead. <laughs> The old Tyler is dead. <laughs> yeah. But welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so I'm much. I'm so excited to finally have you on. I mean, as soon as I met you, I was like, you, you got to come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we usually start, well, I mean, let's start with the first one, which is a friendship origin story, mm-hmm. yeah. which I met you through Moxie Munchies yeah. when yeah. she was doing her presentation at mm-hmm. PodCamp. Exactly, yeah. I was like, Tyler! Yeah, and she had mentioned your name a bunch before that. And so when you, yeah. you introduced, she said, you should really go meet Sarah. And then you introduced yourself to me. And I was like, well, it saves me the trouble. Because <laughs> I hate, I hate, I, I don't know about you, but I hate networking events. Oh, like I love stiff. It. Really? I hate oh, it. Oh, man. I can talk to anyone. Really? So can you, but I think maybe I'm motivated to do it. Maybe you've. I think it's, well, for me, hmm, I guess if, if it's a podcast guest I really want, I'll yeah. just go balls out and just be yeah. like, hey, this is who I am. I like have Ruth. this thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when it's on a professional level at networking mm-hmm. events, I have a real, like, I, it's really weird for me to walk up to people alone and yeah. be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. If I have a buddy, yeah. I'd kill it. That's, it's easier to vibe off someone else and you can share your energy for sure. My thing with the professional networking thing is because I'm so weird and I'm like, we'll say whatever comes to my mind. And it's always like positive usually. <laughs> I'm like not rude, I don't think, but I can be a bit disruptive to people sometimes so i'm just sort of like oh calm, calm your slow your roll tyler <laughs> where's the bell oh the bell's over here the bell, seen the bell. i've just seen the bell and i've never got to i've never got to ding it oh you can ding it all i mean I've, I've dinged a bell just not this one <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> i just mean a bell ding ding to being weird oh yeah cheers because i feel that all the time <laughs> oh my god i feel so weird and i since my well that's what my podcast is about it's about otherness right yes. so i've i've always felt kind of displaced and weird and and sometimes it means i feel outside of a community and then sometimes it means i'm fo- like part of a community part of a community you know i think you've got i think the important thing is to try to find your community oh absolutely that's i think is what we're all constantly doing yeah cycling through different communities yeah because it's weird because i i've been like hanging out with a lot of like-minded people lately yeah. like and like it's all types of people so, you know comedians drag queens yeah. like like other podcasters Sounds like a tough crowd <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because my my friends like yeah. I don't want to call them my normal friends but yeah. you know like my non what's not not even non creative friends yeah but like they've been saying they're like you're doing a lot of networking podcasts lately and I was like well yeah because yeah. I want to share what other people are doing yeah and I mean and it's just like you, if you're passionate or you feel compelled or pulled towards something it's like of course you're just gonna want to do it so you're just gonna want to do it also in these kind of podcasts where you have double up other people building content it's it's like it's convenient also too it's, it's very convenient you know? because you're kind of sharing audiences mm-hmm. in a weird way. 
And it is a smaller community and the the things that we talk about are similar and they overlap a little bit, but we all have our unique view. Yeah. So if you can share that, why not? Why the hell not? Especially in a world dominated by so much media that's owned by corporate like yeah. interests. So it's like I, anyone who wants to start anything, I don't care if they're recording like in their mother's basement. Hi, me. <laughs> <laughs> or their own apartment. Hello, adult. <laughs> uh, or, adult-ish. Uh, adult-ish, like, yeah. Let's just say that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. This place I, I looks like a depressed person has been living in it yeah. for a week. And, yeah. um, Oh, it's ha- it happens. Uh, but it's like, yeah, if we can share content that's um, generated by just anyone, that's to me is like so radical and wonderful and like that it, it makes the world a better place. Oh, 100%. And we yeah. got to support each other. Absolutely. Because because the thing is, is like anytime I'm feeling stressed about content stuff, mm-hmm. I know I have people I can talk to about it. Absolutely. I can talk to Moxie. I can mm-hmm. talk to you. Yeah. I can talk to like other people doing things like and they get it because mm-hmm. it's not freaking easy. No. And people have to realize too, it's free content. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not free. There's a cost. <laughs> There's a cost to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. to people consuming it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone can it's just download free. it. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. So like we ain't getting, I mean, most of us aren't yeah. getting paid. And if we are, it's probably not that much. It balances like drag. It's like most drag queens don't make enough money to cover their art. The cost yeah. of what it yeah. takes to be a drag queen. And it's funny. It's people are still compelled to put stuff out there. I think in this world, it's so hard under I'm a bit radical, but under capitalism, like we're all just trying to like survive. So sometimes we just feel so compelled to find other ways to do things. Oh my gosh. And create. So now I'm fascinated. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's the friendship origin. So we met and yes. then, and then you did pictures for me. I which did, which so I love them. Great. It's wild to think that half of them were just done right here in your, in your apartment. Yeah. Right? We were at two different locations yeah. and like, they're just phenomenal. And you gave me Thank so you. many. And yeah. I'm just forever grateful for them because it's a moment in time. And like, mm-hmm. I won't have to do that again for a while. Hopefully not. But which is you, good. Unless you have the opportunity to, right? Unless I like, drastically lose 20 pounds, oh, which well. case I'll be hitting you up again. <laughs> 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 but I, I mean, like, I don't even know where to begin with you. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Sure. Well, actually, Jesus. We, we do. No. <laughs> We do also have to say that we're not drinking alcohol for this mm, episode. I'm a sober sister, as James Charles would say. Because you're sober. Yeah. I want to break because I've been drinking all oh, week. Oh, wow. Okay, good. And it's also 12 noon. <laughs> True, but daylight savings time. So we're drinking coffee. So, yeah, cheers. Oh. We're caffeinating. Mm-hmm. And you were awesome enough to bring me a McDonald's cappuccino. Yeah, my pleasure. Which, thank you so yeah. much. Mm. It's like a bad omen if we don't cheers. So I want to start at the beginning. So where are you from? Where do you hail from? It's an interesting question because my parents are military. Um, Yeah. So I often I often just say I'm from Newfoundland because it's the convenient answer because my dad's side of the family, which is just bigger and I'm not closer to, but just have had more exposure to are all from Newfoundland. And so uh, they're all from the Twillingate region, more or less. But they've lived in like Cornerbrook, St. John's. And so I say Newfoundland, but I was born in PEI. Because military, oh. moved when I was really young to Newfoundland again, and then spent most of like my formative like school years in Naples Valley, down in Wilmot, so just outside of Middleton. Okay, so maritime. Yeah, the most I just yeah Atlantic Canada. You moved around. Yeah, where in, where did you spend like the bulk of your life? At this point, Nova Scotia. Okay, yeah, it's been like tenish years on and off in Halifax now. More actually, probably like fifteen, and then I spent like a good 10, 11 years in the valley for like grade two to high school oh wow. yeah until grade 12 yeah and both parents are military yeah 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 both of them um, most of my family's military um my grandparents my mom's sides are military lots of my aunts and uncles my dad's side are military my brother's military yeah oh my gosh i know i'm the hippy dippy gay sheep <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, I love that though because yeah. I love when you see someone and their family is so drastically different. I know. And you just think like, how did you come to be? Because that's yeah. tough. I mean, I was kind of the black sheep in my family too. Yeah. And I, would you say that it was tough embracing who you were mm. <laughs> to a point where you were loud and proud about it? Because I wasn't loud and proud about myself until like I moved to Halifax. I think, well, I mean, I had all kinds of undiagnosed like, mental health things that I didn't know about and like just challenges in general being like young, queer, overweight. I had scars on my face. So I just <gasps> was always conscious of the fact that I felt sort of out of place. But I like mm. when I was young, young, like I think my parents would describe me as being very like outgoing and chatty really oh my god as like a little kid like i was always going around chatting to adults and kids and whatever but then when i started having a bit of an identity crisis about like my queer identity or being overweight or having scars on my face probably around 10 or 11 is when i started to like go inwards Uh. so from then until about like my mid-20s i was quite shy oh interesting so you kind of revert it into being an introvert yeah and so like part of this like becoming sober and being the adult that I am today is sort of like kind of which is I think true for most adults it's like refining the innocence a little bit and like connecting with the kid before you were criticized or before you felt like you didn't belong or didn't deserve something Oh, yeah. interesting. God, this is some deep shit. I love uh, <laughs> I I figured out the perfect way to describe my podcast recently, which is like it's like the bath like bathroom stall writing on stall, oh, yeah. where it's like really deep mm-hmm. or it's dirty as shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's <laughs> I love that contrast for some reason. It's both. Sometimes it's both. <laughs> I love how a conversation can go from like yeah. childhood trauma to yeah. like how do you like to fuck? <laughs> well, usually they're connected, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They totally are. Are they yeah, ever? Yeah. I never really realized yeah. that until recently. The, the darkest parts of us where we hold the most shame inform so much of like how we interact with like things that are just sort of n- more complicated. Oh my god, it's yeah. so true. So you said you were overweight. I oh, never yeah. knew that about you. Yeah, so like from like five like there's so many pictures of me and like video of me as a kid wearing like a shirt that's too small and becomes like a crop top because my belly's too i always describe myself as like a former uh former uh fatty timbit kid fatty timbit because i was always round doughy and covered in sugar (laughs) 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 and if i had the sour cream glaze i was irregularly irregularly shaped um yeah so i was pretty chubby as a kid and then into high school when you're like depressed and like life feels really awful i gained weight and like i was really insecure and anxious like i wore the same shirt every day all of grade eight it was a (gasps) denim levi that i got from zellers that i wore every single day until i ripped it when i was in fredericton new brunswick running for the ice cream truck oh my god (laughs) i love that you remember every detail of that it was the same weekend that princess diana died so it was like oh my god brains all like it's all connected holy Um, shit well that's pivotal as fuck well because that was probably a security blanket for you in a weird way yeah i wore that shirt every day and then people would comment like you wore that shirt again i wash it every day it was a thing like it was an obsessive compulsive like like to, to wear that shirt every day and my parents were like cool about it but then when i ripped it i was like you have to take me to zeller's right now my parents were like, what? That is Like, I need to go to Zellers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was really chubby. As in, and then I went to university and I put on like freshman, like 50, 60. Oh, the university waking yeah. is yeah. so real. That's where I get in mine too. I yeah. used to be skinny as fuck. Yeah, it's hard. Well, I, I went up to 300 pounds Holy at that point. Shit. Yeah. And then I lost a bunch of weight and then I gained some back, lost a bunch of weight, gained some back. And then now I'm. I'm, this is like the slimmest I've ever been. It's so weird because I can't even picture you yeah. as because your frame and everything yeah, seems small. I feel smaller than I've ever felt. So how did yeah. you lose the weight? Uh, cocaine. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> 
honest answer. Listen. No, just joking. <laughs> the first time I lost weight, I was like, uh, it, it was between my first and second year of university, and I just come out of the closet with some of my friends, and I just it was like a conscious choice, but I also just I had three jobs and I was always biking, so it just sort of happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, okay. It yeah. just kind of came off yeah. gradually. Okay. Yeah. And I went to I did an exchange program to West Africa after that, <gasps> where yeah, I was like twenty years old, I think, and I actually gotten quite sick, and um, and so I, that made me lose more weight, and but I was really skinny then, um, and then. A couple times I've lost weight consciously here and there. And then the last three years, I've just, it's mostly diet and just eating. Yeah. You seem to yeah. be on the healthy train. I try. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like a sacrifice anymore. It's just like, I really enjoy and like look forward to having that food. But I also like, I'm a girl who fucking eat like 10 pieces of cake because I want to see. And I like that. Yeah. Though. I, 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 I appreciate that because yeah. I feel like that's the more realistic way to look at uh, a lifestyle yeah. that is you indulge sometimes, yeah. but you learn to like healthy food and yeah. thus you, you get excited to make it and eat it, which that's my struggle. Yeah. Well, I, so I need hard. to figure out like what I like to eat and what's yeah. good for me and like easy recipes to do and yeah. shit like that. Once you get that down, it probably would become a routine and it would yeah. become about your life. And you I also know? recognize that food's also like a method of self-soothing that I use often. And so when I drank and partied, <laughs> ding, <laughs> oh, ding. yes. When I when I drank and partied, it would be not uncommon for me to like go four or five days of just really going for it mm. and then spending the next four or five days depressed and just eating like oh. I used to love to eat two junior chickens and one bacon cheeseburger and like eat them in the car drive home. Like before I even got home, hungover, I would have eaten three burgers and then eat a bunch more junk. So it's just it is what it is. But I also I just try to acknowledge acknowledge the fact that like if I'm doing what I'm doing, I want to know what I'm doing while I'm doing it. And, mm. I, and so like if I do that, okay, cool. But I don't want to fall into that shame pattern of being like you're a terrible person. I'm like maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. Maybe that's a behavior that I don't want to do over and over again. But it's also yeah. just gonna happen. It's gonna happen from time yeah. to time. And who knows? A couple years from now, I could be big again. I'll have to deal with it then. But right now, I'm not. And I'm very grateful for that. Not because I feel like I need to conform to society, but I just feel better, you know? Right. You know, and, and when you feel better, that, that makes you all do the better. difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm still a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the right podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my better is like someone else's worse. <laughs> oh, I feel that so hard, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. because it's the little things. I, I think I've talked about this in other episodes, but like you pick away at life chunk by chunk like we need to stop overwhelming ourselves and try to become this whole new person like you know new year's resolutions like i'm gonna be a whole new me it's like well that's changing yourself in all aspects yeah it's no i i did that when i first got sober i was like this is it i'm gonna change my life and so the same week that i decided i was gonna get sober i joined crossfit and crossfit was amazing i will not be one of those people who trashes it it just it was hard on my body but i did that i spent a whole year trying to hack my life where i was like i'm gonna plan out every hour of my day i'm gonna you know make sure i read this many books make sure i'm gonna do this this and this and this and then i had some health issues and it just everything fell apart oh wow So because i didn't leave any freedom or room for like for the discordance that can happen in life. Like sometimes things are just out of your control. Yeah. Sometimes life throws you a shit ton of curveballs. Yeah. And I internalize it as me being not strong enough or disciplined enough. So, and that's what I'm trying to do more of is like just understanding that life isn't about balance. Sometimes things are just going to be thrown you like a big curveball, like you said. Yeah. But trying to find the harmony within that. So I don't know. It's friggin' hard. Uh, yeah. Well, where did the decision become to stop drinking how did this happen mm. i partied really hard from like 
25 until like 29, 30, 31, I think. Like big time? Yeah, I was a big time party, like hard drive. Multiple times a week? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Like when I was a bartender in Newfoundland, like there were days where I I would be spending like $1,000 a week. I'm just partying. Well, the bartender lifestyle. It was so easy. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't fun because it was definitely fun at times. Right. But it was a concentrated kind of fun that didn't allow me to, to work towards any goals, make me feel good about my life. And so that kind of, I fluctuated around like party Tyler. I used to call him party monster Tyler for like a good seven years. I didn't really drink in high school. I didn't drink in my early twenties a whole lot. Um, I had moved to Newfoundland to, to work and go to school. And my little brother actually got hit by a suicide bomber in Afghanistan. And he survived and he's very well what? right now. Yeah, that was 2009, I think. Holy shit. 2010. And so that really... I don't think I knew at the time how much of an impact it had on me, but it's that was kind of when I sort of went off the rails, as you would say. And again, like still did well, like I was still doing photography. So I, most people didn't know either. Like they had no clue that I was partying as much as I did. So essentially like there's so many times where I wanted to, like I would do like, Oh, sober January or, Uh or, you know, and like fluctuate through those little periods, but the patterns would repeat and they would escalate. And so thankfully around, it was May of 2004, 15, 16, 17, it's 2019 now. So in 2016, May of 2016, I was like, I just gotten back from a week long trip in Mexico. I was a flight attendant, so I got to travel on my own. Holy shit. And yeah, and I was there by myself with a bunch of 20 year old Australians in a hostel and I was trying to pretend I was a 20 year old Australian and I came back, spent three days in Toronto and I just sort of was like... It was just like two weeks of just party and not even like party because like it was often by myself and like it just felt so depressed. And so that was it was that week where I was like, this is it. And in what was different this time towards the other compared to the other times where I was partying and wanted to be sober was that I told everyone. I told mm-hmm. my family, told my friends, like I just doubled down. I was like, this is an issue for me and I just want more for my life. You know, every single person I talk to. Um, like when it's someone who stopped drinking, that's mm-hmm. always what they say. Just want more. They're life. like, I just realized that I I deserve better yeah. and need better. Yeah, and and again, I thought drinking was I think I I definitely put all of the challenges in my life on that and the yeah. partying and drugs and like um and I definitely felt a lot of shame about it all because I always think like you never run from politics. I've done all kinds of stuff, so it's like, well, will this ever come back to haunt me? And at this point now, I don't think so because it's like I've just been so open about it with everyone. Right. Um, but I definitely. It just had so much shame around that. So I thought giving up alcohol would be enough to just fix my life. Turns out it's not. <laughs> it's like life is still hard otherwise. Uh-huh. So, There's other things you got to do. Yeah. And in some it ways, helps though. Having, yeah, not having the alcohol. It also, it does absolutely like 90% of the time it does help. But what I also realized is that my only method for self-soothing or coping or just to having a break and relaxing was alcohol. So like Ugh. bad day at work, buy a bottle of wine. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's so, so real. There was a point about a year in where I was just like, I don't know how to relax. I have Ooh. no idea how to just sit here and be with myself. Yeah, I was just filling my life with so much <gasps> other stuff that I was stressed out all the time. And so, um, and I had a couple other things happen. And so with my doctor's support, and I was in therapy at the time, um, I actually started medical cannabis and it was a lifesaver. Oh my God. Lifesaver. I mean, there's always risk that, you know, you'll repeat the same behaviors and, and, and fall into the same patterns. But the difference is like everyone knows, you know, and like I know what my boundaries are and I communicate them with other people. I tell them what to look out for. If, if, you know, if, if it seems like I'm really having an issue because the issue isn't alcohol, it's mental health and society makes life hard. 
you know so it's damn so yeah i don't want to individualize it saying it's just alcohol and partying it's life is freaking hard yep and you weren't drinking for the right reasons. No. And I, I think that's again. a huge thing. I, you know, I'm not limiting myself. I don't really believe in abstinence in the way that I used to. So I've always said now, like I'm in school for social work. So if, when I finish that, I'll revisit drinking. But it's like I need to finish that goal first. I know that enough for myself. <gasps> Good for you. Thanks. See, and like the self-discipline thing. Yeah. It, like, because that's what I always think about. Mm-hmm. I never, I've never said I'm going to stop drinking. I, mm-hmm. I always just say I'm going to take a break. Yeah. Like, and... I think it's because I'm nervous to put that pressure on myself mm-hmm. well, because I don't trust you. myself to not fall off the wagon. Well, society tells you if you're going to do anything, you have to make sure it's perfect. And I'm like, ah, but every day is a new chance. It's like when you tell someone you're going on a diet yeah, and then they catch you eating an ice cream. But, but it's like, yeah, and it, I, I do believe in shared accountability and mm. like in, in telling people your dreams and your visions and your goals because it, it makes you more interested in, in doing it and holds you mm. to, accountable to other people. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, but if you screw up, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that really mean? You know what I mean? Like Seriously, I, though, So yeah. many people I've, I've seen are like, well, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. And this is my new identity. Right. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be your identity. Does, no, it doesn't. It can be a choice for that day. And if, if you want to remake that choice tomorrow, then make that choice again tomorrow. Yeah. And if it doesn't Take happen, a, it doesn't have to be your identity. It doesn't. You know? And s- don't put so much pressure on yourself. Oh, no. Just try your best. Do little things. That's just it. And. Do Pe- little. People are still going to come for you if you if you fuck up. I actually I heard on um I don't know if you listen to Armchair Expert. I don't. Dax Shepard. No. His like podcast is fascinating. I, I think you would <laughs> I think you would really like it Armchair because Expert. it's okay. very like he gets right into the root of people. Really? Okay. Like different celebrities and stuff. It's funny when he gets like, really deep. Someone like him I just wouldn't assume that, but it's like that's what we we assume funny people aren't smart. I get that all the time. Actually, I feel like I get that. I have the perception that people think that about me at, t- at times. That you're not smart? Yeah. Like, oh, I get that Especially the when time. I partied. Like, people Ooh. were always surprised. Like, I won a big award in 2015, like, a, from the Governor General for volunteering. Oh, and, wow. And some people in my life were like, oh, I didn't know you did stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a complicated party monster, but I've still accomplished a lot, okay? I'm just high achieving, A-type. <laughs> I, I feel like you have bounced around a lot in yeah, different things. And this is what I want to get into with you because sure. because you made a post recently yeah, where you talked about all the things Oh that yeah, you've done. Yeah, yeah. Can you give a brief overview? I mean, yeah. like, I don't want you to name off your resume, per se. It's but, but like, I mean, I were you the type growing up as a kid that knew what, what you wanted to do right away? Or uh, did it, do, I you, do you know what you want to do yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, uh, I know I don't want to grow up. <laughs> Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had visions of what I wanted as a kid, but I, they were built based on what I thought I should be. Um, the only thing that I realize now looking back is that the things that really drive me are like freedom, a sense of whimsy, like being fun and just like having a bit of vitality in my life. And so mm-hmm. as a kid, like I definitely want to be a marine biologist. Like every me other too. Kid. Yeah. Like dolphin. <laughs> oh my God. I want to be a dolphin trainer. <laughs> this is it. Right. So and I was obsessed with Steve Irwin and I realized <gasps> now it wasn't so much that cause he did work with animals. I did love that, but it was also, he's just a caring, compassionate personality. He was just weird and absurd. So that's probably what it really drew me in, but I didn't have the awareness that I do now. But right. I, as a kid, I definitely want to be a marine biologist. I was really artistic. Yeah, and so I actually had been applying, considering applying to NASCAD, and I've been building a portfolio. I could see that. Yeah, and I ended up falling in love with a girl. Really? 
<laughs> yeah. Maybe it, it was just like, yeah, I definitely, I, I still, I would say I was in love with her and it just sort of, it's probably not what I would consider love now, infatuation, right. and, but yeah. I followed her to university. Um, as you do. As you do. And that was a very, that was a $25,000 <laughs> experience oh. for two years of biology. So I was like, I'll become Steve Irwin, a Steve Irwin. And I remember I was dissecting a, um, a tapeworm in parasitology class and I was thinking like I don't think Steve Irwin has to do this um, so from there <laughs> then on I was just like I bumped around like I did a program called Canada World Youth in 2004 after my second year of university and that kind of shaped my values and allowed me to see what I wanted more clearly out of life so I spent three and a half months in Quebec and then three and a half months in West Africa wow yeah following that I what did you do like what did you do it was a volunteer like, program and it's definitely it's like one of those international tr- travel group experiences um which at the time i was like i'm gonna save people and now i look back and i'm like oh god a 20 year old with no skills like being sent to another country that's not great Uh, but the program has value and merit and i learned so much from it i ended up working for them like six seven years later really Um, yeah it was amazing so most of my last 15 years have been either in tourism um uh or international development slash community work so I've done a bunch of things. So I've been tour guides. I worked on boats. Um, yeah, you mentioned the boat thing. Yeah, which is a pirate for three summers on a tall ship. It was amazing. That is yeah. insane. We put the sea. Then I loved that so much. I was like, well, I want to become a sea captain. So I went to school in Newfoundland for nautical science to become like a, a mariner, to become a captain of like a cruise ship or something like that. And I just and I didn't understand at the time that like. I can like sailing in boats and that experience, but it doesn't have to become my identity. It doesn't have to become your career. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm learning that a lot now, but when I look back on the things that I've done and and what I find valuable, it's working with people, working for social change, um, kind of contributing to community and, and just also still having fun. So like I love content and I love content creation, but I also want social justice, which is why photography and, and social work are two things that just sort of seem to fit for me. That is fascinating. Yeah. And five years from now, I don't you're like know. a jack of all trades. Yeah, you truly I've, are. I've done a little bit, which makes it hard. Job interview sometimes you can. It's really hard. To, I identify with you on this yeah. hard hardcore. It's hard to synthesize because sometimes people are looking like, oh, do you have a master's in one thing? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm 34 and I've had over 45 jobs now. A lot of like different little small contracts or like just jumping around from one thing to the other because they're seasonal. Yes, contracts. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but I am getting to the point now where it's starting to, to make sense. Where like in my late twenties, it definitely was a lot harder to sell myself. Right. Now I've I've had enough management positions and I've I've excelled in certain roles that it's still I can translate that into like competencies that make sense to employers. And I think that that's such an important thing nowadays mm-hmm. is yeah. to realize that you have transferable skills that might not have even come from past jobs. No, it might it might have come from producing a podcast something you do do in your yeah. spare time mm-hmm. a side hustle volunteering yeah. Yeah. like you might not be getting paid for these things but you're developing skills absolutely and it's so funny there's such a pressure to have it figured out in your 20s and it's just bullshit it's complete yeah. bullshit I've also, and some people do some you know people do. you look at some people's lives and you think this was very linear mm-hmm. and you you know you knew what you wanted to do early you mm-hmm. went for it you have it and now you're working comfortably in it and i've realized yeah. i've come to accept that mm-hmm. that's not going to be my life yeah i've I've realized that's that not how it's going to happen. For I'm going to be a wanderer for the rest of my life. And I either have to commit to that process instead of an outcome. Otherwise I'll just be constantly in, in like conflict with myself. 
I get so that. It's like, so hard. Commit to the fact that I'm going to wander, and sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, and it'll be hard at times. Um, thankfully, I have lots of supports in my life right now that allow me to wander my way back to school. Um, right. But it, it's also like that's just who I am, and if I fight that, it's just going to hurt me. Ooh, I yeah. love that. I love the so. idea of not fighting it and just accepting it and embracing it. Yeah. In a weird way, because I'm the same. Like I like people even still ask me, and I get the you know you get the question in yeah. job interviews. Yeah. What's your dream job? Where do you see? I love the where do you see yourself in five years? Question. Hopefully not dead. <laughs> and I just Unless say it's a zombie apocalypse and just and let like, me go. You know, I think maybe there was a point in our lives where we did have an idea of what our dream job was. Yeah. But I think you and I are similar in that we yeah. want we want a job or a. Uh, position that appreciates us absolutely that puts value on us that gives us different tasks because I don't think I want to do a job where I just have one thing to do I like variety me too I like having a job that's kind of a little bit of everything mixed into one yeah which again I understand it's challenging but we live in a society where we're often told that if you're not able to dedicate yourself to 40 hours a week to this one role for a long period of time then you're not valuable and I'm like that's not true because there's so many people with so many different skills and look at all the unpaid labor that happens in this world from women oh and God, like, yeah. that's all work it's just it's just not valued as like rewardable under like society standards right now so it's like we're all working all the time life is work life is work life is work and it's yeah. like we have to either embrace it and accept that it's going to be hard and, and then we can still find joy in it or we're going to have to fight against it all the time. And I just, honestly, I'm tired of fighting. I'm only 34, but I feel like I fought so much already. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'd rather just be somewhat depressed, but still be able to find the joy. <laughs> Do you find that you're, that you're always struggling with trying to prove yourself to other people? Less so than I used to. Um, because I mean, I lived a d- double life. So it's like I had to, I felt more like I had to prove myself because I knew that on the weekends and the evenings I was, I was, living as party monster tyler so party monster Tyler. yeah and like i so i felt like i had to prove myself more then which is funny because i definitely had a much harder time proving myself then because i just wasn't my best self and so now i don't feel as much like i need to prove myself but it seems to be happening that i prove myself more and more every day so it's like when i let go a little bit i i I seem to be able to do a better job of proving myself, which I mean, I don't think that's any nugget of wisdom. I think it's probably that's so interesting. Obvious. Yeah. Yeah. No, cause I, I've always struggled with it in jobs, like yeah. in, pro- in professional settings, like but syndrome. not so much, yeah. not so much in side hustle or friendships or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, but I, I, it's just a little bit hard where it's like, Oh, the one thing that gave me all these skills is a drunk podcast. You know, yeah. not every employer is going to look at that and go, yeah well it's hard because it's like you're doing something cool here you know you're doing this thing that's it's important for you but it has value in community but at the same time it's like sometimes people don't won't see that value won't see that value especially if they've been privileged enough to only have that go through school get that one job and live that life but it's like that's really only available to like maybe 10 percent of the population most people are jumping from walmart job to subway job to like under you know and so it's yeah, so it's it's complicated, I guess. Like most of the people I know mm-hmm. are not quite in the field that they thought that they would be. I think that's true. The I, I met a girl last night. I did Burger Bus last night, and she's 22, and she's just applied to med school, and she's so clear. She's like, since I was a kid, I want to be a doctor, and that's amazing. So lucky that she's had that clarity since she's a kid. Yeah, but to me, it's also like, well, then she must have had like a really great family life, or like things in her life yeah. allowed her to find that clarity. She just didn't wasn't just born with that clarity. It's like this is the environment she was in also cultivated the ability to for her to make that decision and that's not everyone has that opportunity so it's fascinating so. and i'm always fascinated with people like that to be like well like yeah how did you get that clarity at that age mm-hmm. like were you influenced by your parents because i know Sometimes, my parents yeah. wanted me to be a lawyer yeah 
You know, like they wanted me to go to Santa Vax and get an X ring, fucking yeah. X ring, and Anna Ganesh. People like, love that, eh? It's yeah. like like so much pressure on you to just get an X ring. Those X rings, I'm so like I have friends who wear them, and I know lots of people have gone, and, and like I think people should be able to be proud of, of where they went to school. school. Like, yeah, yeah, that's totally cool. But when you look at it in society and what that means as a class symbol, that's yeah. where I'm critical. It can be both. People can be proud. People can be happy that they graduate from that program or that school because it is a really remarkable thing. It takes so much work, time, money, whatever, but also. So I think we have to acknowledge that like that ring is literally a symbol of prestige. Yes. I'm like privileged. And it gets, yeah, it gets valued that way too. And, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not much of a binary thinker. I don't think things are black and white, but it's like, we can be proud of something. We can have that ring. We can enjoy that ring. But at the same time, it's also like, I also want to have conversation where I want to be like, but do we understand what that means for people who don't have that ring? Yeah. Yeah, Like it, it is literally a symbol that we wear to show like, Look at me. I paid $40,000 and had the privilege and the opportunity, but also the hard work and the dedication to complete something. To complete something. Yeah. I just, and I feel it has to shift to, um, you know, get your degree and be proud of your degree mm-hmm. and what that's done for you, not a physical object that is yeah. like $800 or whatever it is. I think it's pretty, I might even be more. So I actually expensive. don't know how much an X ring is, but it's a lot of money. I'm, I'm just like flabbergasted because like I'm in school now and I pay so much money to go to school and I'm glad I'm in school. But like the thought of paying more money to my school or right. like to represent my school, I'm like, no, but I already paid so much money to my school. Like, and I don't, don't want to pay any more. And I should say like you're back in school now. Yeah, Delhousie. So you, when did you start going? Oh man, 2002, I went to Acadia for two years. Then I did my exchange program for a year. And then I went to Memorial for a semester for mostly English and poli-sci type classes. Then I dropped out of there, came home to Nova Scotia, did a two-year diploma in ecotourism NSCC. Great. I will always oh, champion shit. NSCC. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that was wonderful. I learned more in that program than, than I have in any program. Except really? Social work. Yeah. Oh, and then worked for a few years and then worked on the boats and was like, oh, I'm going to become a sea captain. Went to school to that, did that for a year. was like, that's not for me. Uh, came home to Nova Scotia, worked for Canada World Youth for a couple of years and loved that. Very, very intense job. Got to go to Indonesia and Costa Rica with them. Then Ooh. got a job in a marketing company and was like, this is it. This is for me. I'm going to be, this is, I'm going to be a marketer and uh, decided to go to the Mount St. Vincent because they have a two plus two program at NSCC. So I was like, well, I'll apply that towards a business diploma. But I also like I'd be doing my classes online while drinking two bottles of wine on a Tuesday night. So uh, as you can imagine, I didn't do very well. Uh, um, online classes I could never do. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to. Well, so then I did that. And then I uh, came. Well, I just worked and like travel was a flight attendant for a bit. And then finally, when I sobered up. I realized I really wanted to do social work. And so I applied that same year and got in. And so now I have about a year left. Wow. Yeah. So, I, so I've been to like six or seven. I've applied to like at least 10 different institutions. And Holy I've been smoke. to five or six now. So you're really all over the place. All over the place. And it's funny because social work is really, it is really the, the, the degree and the profession for people who've been all over, all over the place. <laughs> it just yes. makes sense. But uh, also everyone who I always like meet who's in it, I'm mm-hmm. like, this makes sense. Because yeah. they're always very compassionate, caring yeah, people. I agree. And they're people who have empathy. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, good on you yeah. for like tapping into that side of you and doing something that's going to be a hard job. Absolutely. But I think people who come from a lot of life experience and they're tough, mm-hmm. they're the types of people... They're tough, but they can also empathize. It's like a sensitive tough. It's yeah, like sensitive tough. Their toughness comes from an understanding and critical awareness of the world. Usually. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sometimes people are just tough. Sometimes <laughs> tough skin. Like jerky. Yeah. <laughs> did you, was your growing up experience like, did you get bullied? Yeah. Or like, yes. what was, what was like high school, junior high? Those um, days, those years like? Uh, elementary school was, I mean, fairly straight, run of the mill, like whatever. I don't remember being overly bullied. Junior high was hard. Ugh. I got bullied, but I think that's true for a lot of people. Like, junior high is, that's, that's some tough times, man. Like, it's the worst. high school was hard, but junior high was brutal like yeah i would not really i think i've i think i've actually repressed memories from of course high. it's traumatizing for most people and i don't yeah. people acknowledge that and i'm always kind of a little bit skeptical and critical of people who say high school is the best time of their life i was like well, oh. you, were at, you were at the top of the food chain my friend wow you not living a good life now if that was your best that's just it time. right like. um so yeah that was i was bullied a bit in junior high and then in high school i just was so quiet and i just i did find a little group of friends that were really really wonderful a bunch of women who were just awesome uh and we just sort of stuck to ourselves and so i wasn't really bullied but i was also a lot bigger than people i got bullied i remember in grade nine very distinctly one of the guys in, in class who came from a very challenging family situation which i didn't have the awareness of at the time but he um he wrote a love letter to himself but signed it from me and it was so it was full of spelling mistakes it was wait, written, wait. yeah it was like it was he wrote a love letter to himself from me to like kind of out me as a gay <gasps> gay man but also like it was a power move he just wanted to feel powerful and he wanted to bully me and he wanted to make fun of me in class so he passed his letter around to all the other students saying look what tyler wrote he wrote he wrote a love letter to me one i hope the guy's well i hope he's alive and hope things are going well for him but one would never have written him a letter he was not, <laughs> not the least bit attractive oh yeah it was trucker cap and his like dirty sweatpants every day oh. um but he did this and he like, and so for, it was a whole day of misery and people are making fun of me all day. Mm. And I never really realized how big I was like five eleven, like almost 300 pounds. Like I was just a bit bigger, but I was so shy that people just didn't really pay me any attention to me. And I don't know if this is why people left me alone after this, but one of the other guys that was his friend was making fun of me in the middle of English class. I stood up and pushed him over a desk and like yelled at him in front of the English teacher. And afterwards the English teacher was like, Good for you. Yeah. Like, we won't tell anyone. Um, yeah. yeah. People sort of left me alone after that. And wow, I don't know. So you, like, really stuck up for yourself. Yeah. My dad always wanted me to stick up for myself. My, he he wanted me to stick up for myself from, like, a heteronormative, like, masculine. Like, yeah. I'm and, a man. Yeah. And, and so I, grunt, that was grunt. probably the one time in high school that I, or junior high, that I did that. And so people left me alone after that, I guess. And But I also just stayed away from people for the most part. I didn't, like, ruffle any feathers. I was involved in, like, different things. Like, I was an editor of school newspaper and um, by no means, like, super popular or anything just like i just wanted to do it one year and thankfully had the chance to do it uh yes, i regret not doing things like that yeah i don't bit. neither of my parents are really heavily involved in extracurriculars they both like sports and stuff but they weren't like i think to to them they were just like oh tyler's interested in, in things cool you know um and they were very like happy to support me when they could um but uh yeah so like grade 10 to 12 i just sort of felt like i was mostly a shadow you know what I mean? Like, uh, do my own thing. Yeah. But just trying to stay, like, out of the... Mm-hmm. Grades were okay. They weren't great. Um, they were good. Like, like 80s, 90s. Um, but they weren't, like, top of the class. Um, Average. Yeah. For me. You know, like, 84. It was yeah. the year I was born. It was most often the mark that I got. Really? In, in, in the I was, like, I was, like, I was, like, 70s. Really? Yeah. Uh, did you struggle in high school? Uh, I mean, like, I, I think... I honestly think... 
I was like probably undiagnosed ADD. So this is, I undiagnosed ADHD and I just found out this year, last year, and it makes sense to me now because my parents never really had to worry about me in school because like my grades are always good. There's never any phone calls from the principal. It's yeah. just like, I never, was never really in trouble. You know, yeah. it was just like, I did my great and I was just sort of self-directed and I, as long as I went to class, I didn't really have to study, thankfully. Interesting. But, and that's not true for most people with ADHD, but I just, for whatever reason, whatever brain makeup I have or whatever I valued... I was allowed, I was able to like focus enough to still do well in high school. So like, yeah, yeah, but later in life, I'm realizing that the undiagnosed, like what it meant for my life, you know? Well, that's something that I'm really coming to terms with and I'm planning on going to therapy soon. I keep saying this. People aren't, people aren't holding me accountable. I keep forgetting to make the phone call to just make the, that's the hardest step. Making the the phone call is the hardest step. It is. And I do have $500 towards it. I know a guy who will do an assessment for, it's about 350, 400. I think half of it's online than you do in person, but then he writes you a really wonderful letter that you can take to your doctor. Yeah, he was great. I got in really, really quickly. My life kind of fell apart a little bit in the fall. And I was like, okay, I'm just tired of struggling and yeah. not having an official diagnosis or, or like something on paper that will support me because it's just I've been struggling with mental health at work specifically for years and years and years, no matter where I worked. Yeah. Um, so I had a friend who recommended this guy, Brian Campbell, who's on Dresden Row and went ah. in and it was really wonderful and it was just it was very validating too because he was like yeah like it does sound this way but we'll do a few different assessments from a different couple different frameworks and we'll just see where you fall and so i tested came out like anxiety depression which i mean that's again in society that's not uncommon yeah, i feel like most of us are walking around uh, yeah. with a cocktail yeah that. like just like why but <laughs> existential I, dread i never realized I mean, talking to people who've been medicated, like talking mm-hmm. to Ruth yeah. and realizing how much medication helped her. Yeah. I think I never took my mental health seriously because it was so up and down. In other words, mm. I don't, when I'm depressed, I won't be depressed for like months. Yeah. I'll be depressed for like maybe two weeks. Yeah. And then I'll come out of it and I'll be, I'll be re-energized. Yeah. And I'll be better. There's a type and then of I'll fall back into it. There's a type of depression that's called like mild depression. I can't remember what's called uh, mythosomania or something. I totally screwed that name up. Mm. But it is basically like a, a low grade, high functioning depression that can kind of just persist like forever. Um, yeah, that's and, probably what I got. So lots of people have that. Um, and then with ADHD. So like <clears throat> I'm in, by means no expert in, in any of these things. I, mean, yeah. I do study some of it in school and like I just do have a lot of awareness. I've worked in mental health. But, yeah. But like some people who have ADHD have depression and anxiety because of their symptoms of ADHD, because they have challenges regulating their emotional experiences. And so that causes the situations which allows you to feel those other things. So it's not as clinical, say, like there's something in your brain that's just not wired the right way, which I don't really like that analysis either. But, yeah. But it's sometimes ADHD will allow you to feel depression and anxiety. That's interesting. So yeah. do you think if someone was an un, like undiagnosed, like if the ADHD wasn't treated? It's possible, yeah. I don't. It could cause, again, I'm no expert. No expert you know, yeah. But yeah, none of us are experts. Yeah, we're just we're just speaking about our own yeah exactly. mental health experiences. That's totally and, for me. And honestly, like talking to people, who, like it's it's the first year mm-hmm. that I have ever been like maybe I should be medicated. Yeah, because wow, I've been babe. able to deal with depression mm-hmm. and when i say that i and i think the reason i say that is because i do always come out of my depressed yeah. depressive episodes but then they always happen again yeah. so for me it's like and i recognize that there's reasons why yeah. 
um, whether that be job issues, money issues, like yeah. there's life stresses. Of course, right? That, and, that are impacting my depression. Yeah. So I've never thought, oh, I need to be medicated. It's just situational. situational. It's situational depression. But oof, mm. oof, it's hitting me. It's been hitting me harder than ever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, for the first time yeah. in a long time, I, I was like, Sarah, you gotta, you gotta do something about this because yeah. you're not suicidal. Yeah. But I think if a bus was coming towards you, you wouldn't do so much. Well, there's just there's less, the less margin. Like there's the threshold just gets smaller and smaller the more hits you get. That's what it is. Yeah. There's a great analogy, and I can't remember where I read it. And I looked for this article for years, and I can't find it. But essentially, it's like so many people reframe their resilience or like their their reasons for self care to refill the well or recharge the battery. And so yeah. what this article did was like, yeah, that's cool. We all have a battery. Say it's like, you know, it's this big, and when things happen to us, it depletes. But what the article was saying is that not only does it deplete, but sometimes when you have enough hard knocks, your overall capacity shrinks. So as you get older, we keep trying to refill the battery, recharge the battery. Yeah. But we often recharge the battery thinking about the the way the battery was when we were 20. Like, oh, I have 10 units of battery. But because your life has been hard or because so many stresses or you're working so many jobs or you have so many things that you're committed to or accountable to, your battery is all of a sudden at a four. So you just keep recharging to four. To four rather than 100. But you've structured your life at the 100 like at the, the higher capacity so you always have to recharge and so you just constantly rebalance back to that whatever it's so, such a good analogy I, think. I it really helps me think about it because it's like when i think about self-care i'm like am i recharging the battery or am i rebuilding capacity oh and so God recharging dang. the battery is like the day-to-day things like oh i'm you know i'm sleeping today or like i'm gonna treat myself like that's recharging it makes you feel good but what re builds your capacity for me is patterns and routines yeah so committing to small things that go over a longer period of time yeah yeah and so that's what i've been trying to do over the last three years and i feel like i've been getting better and i have some health issues so it's like i've had some knocks but also it's just allowed me to like have more bounce ah so that's what i've tried to do damn i that's a great Mm-hmm. Excellent way to look at it. Yeah, I've also reframed it as I don't know if you ever played The Legend of Zelda. No. So well, he gets hearts, right? So he gets hearts, and so like he started off with three. Link gets three hearts, and then as he beats bosses, he gets more and more hearts. hearts. And but sometimes he loses hearts, right? And so he loses the hearts that like the capacity, but he also sometimes just loses the amount in there. So I often think like, well, you know, Legend of Zelda, Link, like, am I? gaining more hearts am i depleting my hearts as my am i losing my overall capacity of hearts am i back to three but i think i'm at a 10 so i think about that a lot oh, yeah fuck yeah that is such that is damn good i wish i could find that article i'm gonna have to rewrite it using oh the, the don't zel- you hate it when you find yeah. something that you're like this makes so much sense yeah. and then and then you just can't remember the title or that's just it yeah you know, so like, i i put it all in, a, in an app now when i remember but then it's overwhelming because i open that app and there's just too much to read so i'm like oh fuck um yeah oh, man. i just think we're all struggling we're all gonna screw it up so it's like I, i'd rather just be okay with like struggling and screwing up than trying to structure my life so i don't screw up I'm like i'm just gonna do it but screw up <laughs> yes no but that's so true and like yeah. therapy i i'm i need i just know that i love therapy i think I everyone should go. go to therapy i don't think it should be relegated or like just pushed to the side of people who are in crisis it should be we should all have the space and freedom to talk about our mental capacities and the things that we want to unpack and it's just like five hundred dollars is what your benefits are. Like that's not enough. That's like two that's sessions of psychologist. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, and, and it sucks because I'm like, if I had more, I could really dive deep into things. Yeah, but it's almost like I need to pick because I don't want to go to a session and just have it be a general session. Mm-hmm. Like I have specific things I want to talk about. Like, which is I, good. You have goals. Okay. I know I'm a love addict. Yeah, yeah. So like, I need to get that shit 
in gear because that's not an addiction. Yeah. There's no support groups in Halifax for love addiction. There are actually. There are. Yeah, I well, haven't been able to find them. It's not. It's well. There's the sex addiction, but there's definitely like people. There's definitely peer support groups that would. Oh fo- really? Would, would focus on like more about like the things in our lives that compel us to feel like we have no control. Oh, you should if you know. Yeah. Because like I mean, one. I've looked up. I've looked like uh, I think it's called like um, S A L L or love That's, something like that okay it, the official like love and sex addicts yeah. term or whatever i've looked up that website yeah and there's like no official meanings interesting there's in a couple Halifax, things like gabo mate is an author and a doctor from the west coast he works a lot with people who um, have addictions like in downtown vancouver and he has a book called in the realm of hungry ghosts all about addiction he also has a book on adhd which is really really interesting Ooh. um but he's a full firm believer in that you can be really addicted to anything because uh-huh. it's like it's just it's not sometimes there's like that clinical like brain addiction where you're like you're wired to like crave something because it's it's hijacked how you process and how you think about things but then there's also just like how we soothe ourselves and like you can become addicted to that and so yeah. anything can be self-harm anything doesn't it's true you know so well, it's like yeah and drinking for me has all kind of been an issue mm-hmm. um and I definitely have relapsed a bit well, recently in terms of yeah. I'm not drinking. And I, I was so good for so long. I was like, I'm only going to drink when I'm having fun. When I'm, yeah. when I, I, I rephrased it to yeah. be like, drink to feel even better. Don't drink to feel better. Yeah. And as soon as I changed my thinking in that way, drinking wasn't an issue. But yeah. like things have been rough lately. Yeah. And I've been finding that rather than staying home yeah. and like, self-care relaxing like treating sarah which Mm -hmm. falls to the bottom of the of the hierarchy all the time yeah it's like the lowest one well you're treating yourself in the short term versus the long term so like that's you're still treating yourself and you're still trying to feel better exactly you're 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 doing it in the short term which is not helpful in the long term not at all and i think the problem with alcohol in general is that it's it's widely available it's we it's as soon as you're 19 and even if you're younger you can get it but like it's just such a part of our social construct of like how we engage with each other yeah that it's, over a drink yeah need a drink but as soon as you think that you're doing it too much you have a problem right and i'm like but we all have problems yeah so it's like yeah it's that's not, very true it's not like people are like oh i drink a lot but i'm not an alcoholic and i'm like well what does that mean for you because that's a big statement yeah, because you know, like, we have this idea that an alcoholic is someone who's lost all their money in their job. Yes, and, and it's the family. extreme image of it. Yeah, and it's like yeah. if you have a goal and you're not meeting your goal based on this one area of your life, then that can be a problem for you. It doesn't make yes. you an alcoholic if you don't want it to be. It doesn't make you an addict if you don't want to use that language. Yeah. But I'd rather focus on the challenge that someone's experiencing instead of the language around the challenge. Ooh, that's you know? a good point. So that's if you a really feel like point. you have barriers in your life and that the things and the behaviors and the traits that you have are not supporting you getting around or over those barriers, yeah. then that's a problem. Yes. If you believe it to be a problem. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And my, my issue is, is with impulse, honestly. Oh, it's I'll always, you sound so, so ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I 100%. Yeah, have never been, but like, and I know I am because when yeah. I work from home, when I have days where I work from home, yeah, and I, I'm in, and I think my issue is too is, is that podcast filters into so much of my life because, yeah. like, even if you look at like my laptop, yeah. it's I use it for work and yeah. podcast, so yeah. the two have never been separated. Yeah, whereas I, I feel like that's my problem. That's why I could never work from home. Yeah, is because I need a separation. I need to go to a workplace to focus on work. I struggle. I've worked from home a bunch of times, and I'll do it. 
Oh, but I, I, I definitely think that. it's a lot more stressful than it needs to be. Um, I get distracted so easily. Me My too. cat's being cute over there. I'm going to go hang out with her. I uh, have you ever heard of the Pomodoro method. What's this? It's like a little timer and so you set a timer for 15 minutes and you do whatever you can in that 15 minutes and then take a five minute break or you can change the timing of it. I think there's an official Pomodoro method. Ah. But you can use the timer just to like be like, okay, no matter what I need to do, I'll just do it for 15 minutes. And I, I do that with editing. I yeah. feel like I, I pick away my episodes. Yeah. So like I'll edit for a half hour yeah. and then I'll treat myself to like, oh, listen to some Spotify. Yeah. Or like, and I do find that that's actually interesting. I never really thought of that. Like I could like probably apply that to yeah. Working from home, and I do want to like. I mean, this is what I want to. Uh, this is a convoluted question. Okay, hit me. But you manage a lot of side hustles. You have various projects, yeah. various <laughs> aspects of your yeah. life. This theme has been on a lot of my recent episodes. Yeah. But I need to know how you do it oh. because everyone does it differently. Well, and I'm struggling with it because. Yeah. I'm struggling with mental health stuff, yeah. but I find it hard to self-motivate. And what yeah. I'm always absolutely fascinated by when I see people who have different little businesses and different projects, the reason I have so much respect for them is mm-hmm. because I know I'm only managing really one and I'm finding it fucking hard. What's funny? So I can't imagine yeah. having multiple little pockets yeah. where you have to put your energy and still at the end of the day, making sure mm-hmm. you're okay. Yeah. Which, you see what I mean? It always falls <laughs> to the bottom, right? Or yeah. we tend to put it yeah. to the bottom because we feel like we always have to be creating and like mm-hmm. fostering Because it becomes part projects. of your identity. And if you yeah. don't do it, then you're like, oh, are people going to judge me? Um, How do you manage it all? Well, full disclosure, first things first, like the the privilege of living with my mother and having lower in- lower bills because of that. Like I contribute, I pay for bills and like help with food and stuff like that. But right. my the stress and the pressure I feel about um, the financial part of my living situation that has lifted so much pressure for me, especially while I'm in school. That's true. So that's huge. So my context is not the same as everyone else's. So like, I can't say like, there's no nugget of wisdom for me to be like, just work harder. And P.S. Like, I love <laughs> that you say that. Oh, I want because to be I so acknowledging it. Like, far too often, people don't say things like that mm-hmm. when they are talking about their narr- like their story. Oh, people are like, yeah, if you just work hard and apply yourself, you'll get it. I'm like, okay, yeah. Kendall Jenner. Yeah, we have to <laughs> always acknowledge our privilege. And mm. like, and I'm the same. Like, I came from like no student loans. Yeah. Um, so all my debt is stuff that I've stupidly accumulated myself. But it doesn't make you better. No. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, it's the context that it was given to you. You were born into this. And yeah. like, and so I think a lot of the conversations around privilege right now are like rooted in shame. Like we're supposed to shame ourselves. Right. I'm like, no, that's not helpful at all because it doesn't move us into a place of positive action. It just allows us to feel shitty about our situation, which is easy enough because the world is hard. So yeah. it's like if you can be aware of your context and the things that you've been given great yeah you know but like just apply it somehow apply, exactly it's like people so who wild. yeah people who split bills people mm-hmm. who have roommates so they don't understand that. that like mm-hmm. you're coming from a different context yeah. than me double mm-hmm. the number that you spend you probably pay, pay your internet's probably a hundred dollars a month you know what it's I mean? 120 like that's wild dollars a month you know and that's like and we're sold this lie that you have to do it on your own and so i definitely when i first moved home with my mom i because i've lived with her a few times as an adult and mm-hmm. i always felt a little bit of shame about it because i was like oh god like i just can't get it and i know my father sometimes he means well but be like don't you think it's time to move into your mom's house and i looking at it now i will never regret living with my mom i feel so lucky we have, we get in conflicts all the time we, we were mad at each other yesterday morning she said one little thing i was like how dare you how dare you <laughs> 
I tried to eat my my breakfast and journal and listen to my hippie music. Mom. I'm like, God, I literally sit across from each other at the kitchen table. I'm wearing my headphones and she's like kind of asking questions like, you know this is my precious time. <laughs> so, because it comes becomes kind of like a roommate situation. Mom and I are roommates essentially, roommates? But, but like again, I have to acknowledge like she owns the house and like right. she like all the furniture with my bedroom's mine. But so like that is what allows me to focus on my side hustles in a certain way. Also, it's a big one. The last three years, I've definitely been putting myself in more situations where I have to be creative or I have to do things that challenge me. So right. I've done so much more in the last three years than I ever thought I would. Um, I volunteer too much. Um, Photography is really, really great, but sometimes it stresses me out. The podcast I really, really enjoy, but it's also like, there are moments of like, what have I done? Um, but I've committed, like, I'm going to do at least 12 episodes for a season and then then see where I'm at. And it's going so, so well. So I don't know. I, I'm just trying to align the things that I do with my values. Yeah. So that's very, very a few years ago, I don't know if I said this before here, but um, I thought a lot about like, what is it that I do, that defines me? What have I done in the past that has brought me joy? And what are the things in the future that I hope to do? And so I kind of like wrote out like what would be the future me? What's the the dream blue sky? I was like comedian, you know, famous, whatever, this, this and that social What's your work. vision board? Yeah, exactly, right? And so I did that. And then I contrasted that against the things I've done in the past that brought me the most joy. And I tried to distill some commonalities between them. And it, yeah, and it really allowed me to figure out that like, Money is important to me, but what's more important to me is freedom. So sometimes freedom is money, and sometimes it's living in your mom's basement. You know uh, what I mean? So yeah, it, it it's kind of like what's your currency? Yeah. I've heard people say that. Oh, like that's interesting, yeah. so, some people, like I, there's a lot of people in my life that I know. Yeah, if they have an okay job mm-hmm. that pays them well and gives them benefits and yeah. gives them vacation. That's what matters. Well, that's so the, it's the perks of the job that yeah. matter, not so much the job itself. That ain't me. Well, that's what's, and that's probably not you either. What's in their top five of their priority list, right? And like, I think some people are like that with relationships. They really value companionship. That's not my top five. My top right. five is like freedom, you know, being good in community and giving back and, and just feeling like I, I'm making a difference, being creative. Right. Like those are my top five. So like the things like the podcast, photography, my creative pursuits, they all just sort of align with my values. Right. And now school aligns with my values, right? And so it's like trying to find these things that align with my values. And sometimes that means taking a step back and looking at something and seeing it from a different angle and seeing that it is in line with my values. Yeah. Like, like taking a job that you don't think might not be good for you, but maybe it allows you more financial freedom. So that aligns with my values. Um, oh. And so I have to constantly check in. I journal every day. I'm always thinking about my values. I like make decisions based on where they fit within that. But I also allow myself to like, maybe they'll change, you know? So I just... It's just like kind of a constant process of, process of reflection. I have an ex-boyfriend who's like, you think too much. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was just going to say, like, when you're making these decisions and you're thinking of your life in this way, are you physically writing it out? Sometimes. I mean, it's or not is like, it all up here? Yeah, it's it's a bit of both. Um, and sometimes I forget. And sometimes you just fall on that track that the life gives you. And you just keep going. And then every night you have to come back. And you have you to rebalance. And, um, and I, like, not every little decision am I, am I thinking, oh, like, putting the shirt on. And I'm like, does this align with my values? I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, it's <laughs> yeah. clean. And it won't disappear on the green screen. Perfect. Yeah, I forgot you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. I was like, don't wear green because I love green. I was like, I'm good. So I'll wear something that's like same tone Thank but different. God. Yeah, I always uh, forget about that. But I, I do journal a lot. I did a um, a book called The Artist's Way. It's really really interesting. It's from the 90s or the 80s. Julia Cameron, and it's recommended for any creative person who wants to commit to a 90 day process of self reflection. <gasps> yeah, it's what's wonderful. it called? The Artist. The Artist's Way. The Artist's Way. Yeah, it's kind of rooted in like 
AA methodologies like it's not AA you don't have to be sober you don't have to but, but they're like some of the 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 language in it is very similar to AA and the author acknowledges that she's like this does come from this framework but uh, I like the AA like I mean I, I appreciate it, it I yeah get it. I get it and I was a flight attendant when I did it so I had a lot of downtimes. So, like I'd be in hotels in like New Jersey or Boston and just like whip out this book in my journal and like would have the whole day to do it so v- again very lucky right um but it's also really helped me develop a writing practice like i've been writing every day for three years you know so wow. more than actually and now. writing is that's something that i'm trying to dip my toe into more yeah lately. well i know you've been sharing lots and like it's, yeah. it's a valuable thing to do but again it's this idea that if you write it has to be perfect and i'm like yeah yeah i for my 100th episode i like published this blog post yeah i read it it was great podcasting and i was like this is probably riddled with typos and probably could have been looked over way more than what it yeah. was but i'm just gonna put it out there to the world and maybe yeah. i'll go back to it and edit it again well, and reshare it that kind of criticism of like creative pursuits comes from the fact that we only we're it's perceived that we only have so many resources and opportunities for creative people yeah. because we live in a society that doesn't value creation as a as a as a as a as a recognized or purposeful profession or like opportunity for people it's viewed as you're either an artist or you're someone who just does it on the side at home. And they're really the same thing. It's just some are afforded more privilege and opportunity and other people are just spray painting graffiti. It's really at the same it's, so it's the same thing. It's just how they're viewed by people who have power. So if you're writing and someone wants to criticize you for your grammar, I'm like, what does that do to support you to write again? Like not everyone values that. Kind yeah, of feedback, right? that's not, true. It usually just makes you feel shitty. Especially yeah. if it's not welcome or if that's not a goal of yours. If your goal is to become to have the best grammar, then yeah, of course that's going to matter to you. But sometimes yeah. your goal is just to share. Like I write yeah. once or twice a week a big long post and it's not because I think about it or I've planned for it. It's just because like this is important to me right now and I feel like I just need to share this. I feel the same you way. Know? Yeah. And, 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 not like a, and pe- some people don't have that uh, way about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I both love and hate social media for the fact that it is a platform to share. But when, as soon as you share, you need to accept the fact that you might get comments, you might get criticisms Mm. on that, that like you're opening yourself up. You're, you're essentially being like, here I am. Here's here it is. Comment away. Yeah. Act away. And I mean, some people like, I mean, I, I like creating conversations online. Me too. I don't necessarily like it when the opinions said back to me aren't well yeah. thought out or... Oh, it's so hard because like you sometimes know. you can have a bad opinion or somebody shares something and you're just like, okay, that's a reflection of them. I get it. But if you've had a bad day or like things in your life aren't going very well, it's just that could be the thing that just fucking breaks you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And it's just... That's why I hate Facebook. Yeah. And I just think we've disrupted our communication methods so quickly. Like it's only in the last 20 years that we've communicated digitally and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And there's new apps every day. So like we're always just in contact with each other. And that has disrupted how we've communicated so much so fast. Yeah. So it's like if anyone tries to tell you that there's a right way to do it, I'm like, they don't know because they're basing that on what they knew yesterday because it's already changed because today it's different. So it's like we're all doing our best. So fuck it. We're all doing our best. There's so many different Mm -hmm. freaking platforms to communicate on. Everyone communicates on a different platform it's will, just like, i'll start a conversation on instagram go to facebook go to text you know go to snapchat and it's just around. like oh my god it's so hard my brain <laughs> my brain <laughs> and then people are like download whatsapp and you're like another one i know another way to freaking oh. miss a message or forget to respond to yeah. somebody it's or like, like well a lot of people who use like slack i'm like i, yeah, I don't even want to look i'm not gonna look at it i don't need it i, don't I need hate it. the way slack is Mind, but when people talk about those kind of tools like it's gonna hack your life it's gonna make you more productive i'm like no it's just gonna make me more available 
that's not, make, that's not gonna and make overwhelmed. Pro- yeah, that's not going to make me more productive. I know myself now enough to know that being more available will not make me more productive. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, but you have a podcast yeah. called Quirky yeah. and or Queer. I do, yeah. Um, so when did you start figuring out your sexuality? Like, oh, gosh. Like, were you someone who kind of always knew or when did it start um, with the origin i had a pretty i had a, a, a sense at a really young age about my sexuality but i was hijacked a bit because i was molested at a really young age oh, so like that just sort of like i think kids are often aware of their sexualities because it's just preval- prevalent in the media and like right. you, you can see stuff and even if your parents do their best it's just impossible to completely shelter someone from that experience we're all we're all big walking bags of meat who want to feel sexual pleasure you right know what I mean? so that's a good way to even as mm-hmm. a kid like people it's, it's natural for babies to be you know and kids and um so i was young though when i had a, an, an inkling that i was different and then it was probably like around 11 that i really concretely was like i think i'm gay and my parents did an okay job like my mom was very open about it like even at a young kid as a young kid she i tell this joke all the time she's like you can be anything you want when you're older an astronaut a doctor gay (laughs) 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 i'm like and let me tell you i am making it a career okay (laughs) 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 employee of the month this guy um, but so I, I had a, like a, so a yeah I, I had a <laughs> sense at a young age that I was gay but I but I also like had a lot of shame around it as a kid because my I was really the only gay person in my family I had a cousin who was quite nice and but I didn't get to be around him a lot and like he didn't get to set a good example and um, uh-huh. so I remember being like I was 11 years old and convinced convinced myself that because I, I was gay at a young age I didn't use that word but I knew what it was that I was HIV positive not even <gasps> HIV positive I convinced myself I had AIDS and like so of course now I know like as an adult who, who is like hopes to work in healthcare, I understand that like that's a complicated thing to experience, but also like HIV AIDS, like it's just a different place, different time now, but yes. there's so much in the media at that time in the nineties when I was a kid. That was trying to scare you. Yeah. Like if you're gay, you're going to have AIDS. So as a kid, uh, I like, I, like I remember writing, like thinking as a kid and like crying. Cause I was like, well, I must, uh, I must have AIDS, which is such an awful thing to say. Cause like, that's not even reflective of how that disease works. works. But it's just that's the way the media translated it. So I had like a deep sense of shame at a young age about my sexuality. And so I kind of came out at 21. Um, with How'd my you mom. come out? So I called my mom and had a phone call with her. Because I'd already been kind of out with my friends and family. And then I, <laughs> this is actually quite gay. I was like, mom, I'm gay. Can we have a dinner party? <laughs> <laughs> So I lived, Big coming out. Yeah. So I lived in Halifax. It was probably 2005 at the time. Borrowed my friend's car and took like some of my closest friends, and we went down to the valley where my mom lived at the time, my, the house I grew up in, and we threw a little dinner party with my friend Lucas's parents, and like it was a thing, and we all chatted. It was very sweet, mm-hmm. um, and I was very lucky because like that's not that doesn't happen for most people. Um, and it really came out to my father, but it just sort of like at one point he just knew, and it wasn't really like we oh, talked wow. about it. Like I brought boyfriends home to him, like he's great about it, but we just I never had to have that conversation. That, with my dad. that formal like yeah, which like, sometimes I wonder if I miss it because like that was that sets the tone you're allowed you're allowed to say things in that moment but like mm. again with my brother's injuries and like things like we've had a lot of trauma in my family so it's like Shit. don't don't complicate it it's like i'm just grateful that my dad's around and that he 
he's open to it you know we mm. have our challenges but like like most people the parents you know did you ha- like i was just gonna say did you have an overall good relationship with your parents yeah well honestly very close to my mom um and it's like but we had conflict and stress yeah. and challenges and like my parents were doing their best based on their context um my dad and i yeah. are super close but like i could still go down to see him and stuff and right um he's more close to my brother i think um wait so your parents aren't together no right. they got divorced when i was 14 so oh, okay. 20 years ago now Oof. and it was definitely age to go it was acrimonious too it was intense um, oh shit! But again, it's like that's the life that I was given, you know. So, and you know what? Sometimes people are, truly are better apart, and it's it's these for the two definitely better. Are. I'm sure my mom's gonna watch this, and I'm sure she agrees. I said his mom. <laughs> yeah, um, you did a great job. Yeah, G money, what up? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that definitely informs my thinking about how I think about relationships and the challenges they experienced, and mm. and so you can never like we're all participants in a system, right? So it's like that informs what I, what I think about. And so I think a a large part of growing up is just dealing with the trauma that's been translated or given to you from your family and then just trying to find (sighs) a way through it. It's so true. We talked about this briefly before the mics came on, but just how much your upbringing affects you Mm -hmm. and you don't always realize it right away. No. Until you really think about it and you're like, Oh shit. I I fully think that if you figure life out, you die. (laughs) It's like, like I don't know if I believe in God or the universe or what, but it's like, it's like you fully figure it out there's someone up there who's just like, oh yeah, he's done. And some people <laughs> yeah. just obliviously are going about life not being self-aware. Yeah. And, like, and then they just ignore it. And like, they're doing their best too, right? Like they're it's, doing their best too. I just, I honestly think most people are doing their best. I think the more power people have and the higher up the hierarchy they go, like we have to make them more accountable, like Harvey Weinstein and like those kind of people, like... I can't confidently say like people like him or Trump are doing their best because like right. there's so much power. Yeah. But it's like, I think for the most part, people are doing their best, but there are those outliers who are just really screwing billionaires that are, are screwing just things up. Yeah. Fucking everything up. Yeah. So he came out at, sorry, what age was 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. And so were you, did you date around? Like, did you have a lot of boyfriends? Oh God, no. Like, God, <laughs> Chubby Fimbit Timbit Tyler, no one, no one, ha- no boyfriends. What was like your first experience with a guy? Like, uh, I was young, like I mentioned, so I, that was sort of like oh, right. there. But like my first experience, um, kind of like as an adult and aware of more aware of my sexuality, still super screwed up. I was, I think, it was twenty two with a guy named Evan. Uh, I was at a party. It was in the valley, and of course, I instantly fell in love. I was ah! like, he loves me. <laughs> He didn't. Aww, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Womp, womp. Uh, I don't know where he's at now. He's a, he's, he was a nice guy, and he was um, where was he? He's an artist. He moved somewhere. It's my friend Lucas. He knows him really well too. Uh, and so that happened. And then in university, I think I had a couple experiences. And but it, yeah, it's just like I don't know if it was good or bad. I think it's true of anyone who's, who has sex for the first time. It's it's just you're just figuring it out. Like it's, yeah. it's just figuring it out. And so much of it is like I don't know if you were younger when you had sex, like. You don't talk when you're young. You're just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And I'm, I'm sure this is the way it's supposed to be right. I saw this on TV. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. And that is true. You know, as an- and it's more about the idea of like, especially with losing virginity. It's like, mm. oh, I did it. I did it. And like, it, that's what it, it's about achieving that point yeah. and not so much like, oh, like, well, you know, like, you know, you don't think about the details. Yeah. And there's so much stress and like emphasis placed on the act of sex. And I'm like, kind of every time you have sex with someone new or even someone you have sex with multiple times, it's like. It's really the first time all over again. True. You know, and 
it's always going to be complicated and layered because society makes it complicated. Um, and it's complicated inherently, I think, too, because it's wrapped up in emotions and, and like risk potentially. And I just, I don't know, sex is complicated. So it's oh, like, is it ever? we're all, again, doing our best, I hope. And, uh, yeah. and I just, I often think about sex in like, as in terms of like a radical act, because it's like, if you're doing it and it feels safe and consensual for you, that's already more than what society allows us to even like do at a natural level, you know? Yeah, that's very true. So, yeah. So are you someone who wants to be in a relationship? Mm, what about yeah. like monogamy? What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Monogamous person? Like, are you one, yeah. one man guy? Mm, I don't know. I've only ever had like two longer relationships. One with uh, a really wonderful guy. Maybe you'll watch this, Carl. He's wonderful. We're really good friends. We chat all the time yeah um and so we were monogamous uh well oh yeah more or less um, <laughs> I, I want to tell my story not his right so it's right. like uh and so i i think monogamy is valuable and important if it's important to the people who are involved yeah, so yeah. if like that's something that's important to you then yeah that's, right just like any kind of boundary or limit or or expectation it's like don't leave your socks on the floor to don't sleep with other people it's like that's yeah. important to you then it's important to you i'm not gonna be the one to judge whether or not what's valuable for someone else is has merit that's very true so for me monogamy is less important than respecting people's limits and boundaries so if somebody wants to be monogamous then that could be not that i just want to accommodate other people's needs all the times too but like i think if i was in a relationship where i felt valued like their values lined up with my values that we were you know we were building something together mm-hmm I would probably want to be monogamous. Um, right. It depends, I guess, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's also a little bit of fun in like having that opportunity to not be monogamous too. Like, yeah, I don't want to limit or shame like fun experiences. Yeah, it's true. You know? If that's people, there's a charge or an energy or you feel like something really resonates with you, then I'd, I'd much more rather have a conversation with the person I was in love with. Be like, what do you think about this? Right. Well, um, I mean, cause I think that that's where things get tricky, right? Yeah. Is when the communication, the openness, yeah. with each other and it's goes just away. it's so easy to place all of your unmet needs onto someone else so like if you're in a relationship and you are not monogamous and you have an open relationship but your other needs aren't getting met i think it's kind of natural for you to find someone else and then project all of those those yeah. needs onto the other person so then it's easy to build that narrative of like well this person's actually who i want not this other person yeah so it's complicated and messy and it always will be complicated as fuck yeah yeah i love embracing the complicated well I mean, because if you don't it's like you're it's the other choice i feel is like ignoring it and i'm like i'd rather not do that because it's going to be complicated anyway yeah so, you know so. and like that's something like that that like i'm struggling with is is like i've always wanted a relationship yeah and i put too much on it mm-hmm. um so i'm always curious when i especially when i see people with various projects i'm mm-hmm. like like do you like I always ask people I'm like do you want a relationship because that's mm. another thing to add to your busy life that you need to and I often yeah. wonder I'm like if I'm choosing to do this crazy thing yeah. could I be in one yeah I've like could I do it well because dating with a podcast is close to impossible especially with mine yeah, you're where it is you're, so personal you're basically the Taylor Swift of Atlantic podcasts <laughs> Trouble, trouble, trouble. <laughs> Y'all are just too scared to date me because you think I'll talk about you on the podcast. Yeah. You're chicken. Chicken. Chicken, um, chicken, cluck, cluck, cluck. But it's true. It is yeah. It is a challenge yeah. because whoever I would date would have to accept the fact that I do this weird thing. I yeah. talk about my life. I'm very open about it. I talk about personal stuff. Well, and not imagine, many people can get down with that. Would you want to date someone who wasn't okay with that? Probably no, not. No, hell no. I just, I think like... 
I don't know, we're all going to have things in our lives that compel us, right? So it's like, I've often thought about like, if I'm dating someone and it feels like a burden to be with them, then something might not be right. But it also could be my own internalized anxieties about the situation. And because I've definitely done that before where I've convinced myself someone wasn't the right choice because I just, so there was a bit of friction, but really the friction was internal. And so right. if I maybe like externalized it or talked about it or looked at it from a different angle, maybe I would have realized that that was actually what I did want. Um, I don't like have a concrete example of that, but it's, I don't know who said it to me once, but it's, there's two things in life. There's things that push you and there's things that pull you. And sometimes you need to be pushed, like going to the doctor. Sometimes that's, you're not going to be compelled to go to the doctor. It's not going to fulfill your soul's purpose, but sometimes you just know you have to do it. And there's going to be friction, and so you're pushed to do it. But often, like a podcast or things that you find exciting, they're going to pull you. Right. And so if I'm in a relationship, sometimes you're going to be pushed because it's not easy. And I had no expert in relationships because I've only had a couple. But also, like, I really want to focus on that pull feeling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be love. It doesn't have to be infatuation. But I want to feel pulled, like compelled to do something i want to find reasons to like oh i have an essay to write well i'll just do it while sitting next to that person or i will will meet them to do i don't know an errand or something like that's that's important to me i want to feel that yeah and that's that's like that's the that's the part about it that like really sucks because i'm like this time in my life is so exciting Mm -hmm. um but it's the fact that I don't have anyone to share it with. Yeah, but it's, that bums me out. But you, well, we're sharing it right now, but I know it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. It's definitely not the same thing. So I do get annoying people like, "Well, look at all the other great relationships you have." I'm like, <laughs> "Thanks, Grandma." I'm like, "I'm like, they ain't going down on me." Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and if they are, that'd be complicated. But I, I get that a lot too. Like, yeah. and like when you are feeling down, people are like, "You're so loved." Look at how many friends you have, and I'm like. I'm so appreciative of my friends. I'm so appreciative of my supporters. Doesn't have to be one or the other. But it's 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 yeah. that other chunk of my life yeah. that I'm craving, that I'm missing, mm-hmm. that for some reason my focus is going on. And I don't like being a glasses half empty person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be. That's why yeah. I want to go to therapy because I yeah. don't want to focus so much on the missing chunk. I'd rather foster these yeah. these other chunks that are amazing. I like. I'm so grateful for my friends. Yeah. But um. But it's like I often say, I'm like, I'm not a straight man's demographic. Yeah. Straight guys don't gravitate towards me. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm fucking attracted to them. So, I mean, Fuck. I will say some straight guys are attracted to me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's happened, yeah. Yeah, um, fuck. But it yeah, sucks. I just think like it's okay to value that companionship and want that. You know yeah. what I mean? And, but I often think people, people so often want to reach for the right thing to say. So they'll say things like, well, look at all the other relationships. Like we grow up on Oprah. Oprah always had that nugget of being like, well, don't you see what's beautiful in your life? And we don't get to see how edited those conversations are, but it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's easy to be poignant and say that bumper sticker, but it's like life's messy. So life's we, messy. So like there's often, and like, I think, you just got to get your ducks in the in your row as much as you can. Mm-hmm. For me, that's going to be like, okay, I got to attack this mental health thing. And maybe if my mental health gets sorted out, maybe then I won't be focusing so much on the messing. Well, maybe you chunk. also will, but maybe your perspective on it will change. Maybe my perspective, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be an that outcome. It, it has to be, a, for me, it's a process. It's like, I'm never going to be figured out. I'm never going to be finished. I'm never going to be in the perfect condition for someone to date me. I'm going to be me, whatever version of me no matter what point in my life it, I'm in, they'll always be messy. And not because I'm a messy person, but I just think that life is messy. So yeah. like RuPaul says, like, how can you love someone else if you can't love yourself? And I like that, but I also am critical of that because like, even if you don't like yourself, you still are valuable enough for love. Ooh, thank you. you, know, you That's just, a you big deserve one. love no matter The love you like yourself, yourself thing is, is like, uh, people treat it very like, 
oh, like you have insecurities, you must not love yourself. It's like, no. I feel like when people say no, that, especially the case. when people say that in the media or if like they have power, they usually have something to gain from you feeling that way. Like buy my product, do this thing, do whatever, you know, mm, like that's what I'm like. Damn. So I'm always critical of that. Yeah. And then it becomes like commodified in a way that it becomes like common language. So people say, well, you don't love yourself enough. And I'm like, I love myself enough because I'm here. And, and to truly love yourself, I think, is to actually admit that you're not perfect admit that you have insecurities yeah. and and still go about life uh in a, in a certain way mm-hmm. where you're dealing with those or you're choosing not to maybe at the time yeah. for whatever reason but like no one's gonna be a hundred percent in love with themselves no it's I, ever I, I i i mean if they are they're probably delusional yeah you know yeah because um, you were bombarded by messages all day long that tell us that we're not perfect and we're not supposed to be perfect and i had to face it at a really young age because i grew up fat queer and i had like big brown scars all over my face so like from a young age I knew I was never going to be perfect and I I always used to have visions of like zipping this body off and stepping out as someone more perfect and whole Um, and I would only take pictures from this side of my face Um, Mm. you know I never took my shirt off you know in the summer I'd wear a winter jacket because I was so ashamed of my body are you familiar with Shane Dawson yeah I'm looking at the book over there it gets worse I've only recently gotten familiar with him because I watched his videos with Jeffree Star you can totally borrow those books if you because they're really really good and like there are little short stories about his life because he was overweight oh I uh I don't know much about him, but just watching the few things I have online, I find him really funny. Yeah. So obviously, some of it's manufactured, and he's doing it because, but he's he's rich now because of you know what I mean. Yeah. So, but yeah, I do enjoy him, and I think he's similar to me in some I ways. I think you should read these books. Yeah, I, might I have think to. I think you're, you would yeah. relate uh, to a lot of aspects of it. He has a close <sighs> relationship with his mom. Oh, does he? Grew up overweight. Yeah. Body image issues like his whole life. Yeah. Like, even now that he's lost weight, I've seen him talk about. Um, he's talking about like bulimia and anorexia, yeah. and like yeah, that's uh, it's insane what he's got. He's gone through. Yeah. And he had like a crazy food addiction. Really? Like he was, he was, a, what was he addicted to? I think it was like a stevia packet, like, oh. like literal sugar. Really? Would eat tons of it. Oh. You should read those books. I'm going to take will it let with you me. Yeah. yeah. Um, They're really good. He's a, it's a tricky, like even being a podcast and talking about these issues, we're also participating in this idea that we have to name our suffering and our challenge and then put it out there for someone else to, to validate us and maybe give us money. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's tricky because it's like, it also feels good and it's, it is good to do it, but we do live in this world where people always want to tell their story and they make money off of it. And I think it's always going to be a bit, that's always going to be a positive thing to put your story out there and share because people can resonate with it. But also it's like. None of us are experts. My context is different than your context. So, so it's like, I just, I'm always critical. And so I'm saying Shane's one of these people because it doesn't seem like that. But like when people act like they've made it, like life coaches, I only know a couple. Oh. I only know a couple of them that actually like I can appreciate what they have to say. Other ones, and this is probably going to get me in trouble. But it's like. It's near the end of the episode. Say it. Is it? Okay, good. It was just like, <laughs> if someone's a life coach, I'm just like, but Why? Because the yeah. thing that challenged me with life coaches and like also like the AA models and stuff like that is that it's unregulated therapy a lot of the time. Yeah. And not that things have to be regulated all the time, but I think there is value in, in, in not just like saying positive things and looking at positive things, but sometimes we do need a critical awareness that allows us to reframe things, not just to be more positive, but also acknowledge that there are barriers in society that sometimes we just can't overcome. You know, looking at a glass half full is not going to help you go down the street in the middle of a snowstorm when the sidewalks aren't plowed and you're in a wheelchair. Can we fucking talk you know, about that for a second here? I, I will never not want to talk about that. For anyone who's not from... Even your parking lot just coming in here today. I was like, what the hell? It is. Okay, so we're in Halifax. If you don't know already, you probably do. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been snowing like crazy. Yeah. 
and the sidewalks are just completely disregarded. Oh, and I was on We've the had bus. Two uh, snowstorms too. It's like it's embarrassing. That, it is, and it's yeah. so frustrating because I was on the bus the other day, and mm. there was someone with a disability. Yeah, and they're towards the back of the bus, mm-hmm. and like I get it. I, I I often am just like you should probably stay at the front. If that's just my thought, but anyways, this person wasn't. Yeah, uh, it was a packed bus. She probably got forced down. You never know. Yeah, but open the door and like it was like a mountain of snow so most people are just like hopping over it Mm -hmm. she could not of course yeah she literally had to crawl Mm. so and there's no dignity in that over the snowbank that's embarrassing and the bus driver like actually started going ahead before she was even out the door that's terrible and everyone's like stay stopped please like someone needs to get off it's just absolutely insane i felt like shit seeing that i was like fuck like Mm. i can deal with it because i can just I can hop over it. But for these people who can't, what are they supposed to do? What scares me with that situation that you just brought up is that for a lot of people on the bus, they probably told that story to someone else, but they criticized the bus driver. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's there's accountability for the bus driver in that moment, but also they're being exploited and they're in a system that's not equitable. Yeah. And so it's like in a better world, we just wouldn't have these issues. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the excessive bus or if you listened to my last episode of the podcast, but the accessible bus here is an accessible bus service that you call. Yeah, you yeah, call yeah. seven days ahead, and if you have any um, accessibility or like disability challenges, they are supposed to be able to give you to your, get you to your, where you need to go. But you uh-huh. call seven days ahead minimum to book. You, you can't if you call any after seven days, they just will not book it, and they only call you. I think it's like twenty four to forty eight hours before your appointment to let you know if you've actually got to drive. Uh. So you think of people with you know any kind of accessibility issues or health issues, usually they have more appointments or more burdens or more barriers to navigate. So not only do they need more support, but this accessible service actually provides more administrative and logistical barriers for them. Oh, man. Even though, like, even though it's being framed by the prov- or the, the city as being like this great service for accessibility, it actually makes their lives harder. harder. And so, so a lot of people don't use it. They just rely on their networks and their friends and their family um, if they have that opportunity. And then some people don't have that. So they're they're just sort of pushed to this fringe of the society where they, they're supposed to be grateful for, for that bare minimum that they get, which is so frustrating to me. God yeah. damn. It's just a big mess. It it's a big, big mess. And it's really, really freaking and, sucks. And people are like... It sucks so hard. I hate when people are like, but we're in Canada. We should get used to the winter. And I'm like, that. Okay, cool. Like, I had someone on my Facebook the other day be like, oh, but you know, like, I was in Fernie and everyone there just uses yak tracks and they just love it. And I was like, okay, tell that to someone in a wheelchair who has to push a stroller. It's like, yes, that's true. We should all adapt a little bit and like, we can all do better and embrace the fact we're in winter, but we can also rely on society to take care of those who need it most. Yeah. We should be able to rely on society. Yeah, because they're totally disregarding anyone. Yeah. With disabilities Absolutely. and pedestrians. And it's a human rights issue. Yeah. yeah. It's freaking dangerous. And the thing that I will say to anyone who listens is that we're able-bodied now, but only for a short period of time. Because who never knows, it could be happening at a young age, or eventually if you're privileged enough to live to an old age, you will be in a wheelchair. Yeah. That's at some it. point. That's just it. You know? so and it's, you might not have people to drive you around. Yeah. You might have to rely on mm-hmm. transport, like mm-hmm. transit, like... Uh, yeah. I dread the day that the bus has to lower for me. I always uh, think about that. I'm like, mm. well, it's hard because like it's we internalize that because that makes us feel like, oh, it's gonna be so bad. Like people will say, you know, if this ever happened to me, I'd kill myself. Right. And I'm like, and as a problematic statement, but I understand why people say it because we live in a society that's inequitable. So yeah. there, there are so many barriers. So like people say that because they don't know what the context is actually like if they get to that space. So it's easy when you're able-bodied to just be like, this is a statement I'm going to make about how I see the world, but it's reflective of how the world is. It's harder is. to be disabled. Yep. 
Um, so I, I, I can understand that completely. Yeah. Um, I've had to confront that in the last few years because I've had so many challenging health issues and chronic pain that's made me think differently about, yeah. about, about life. And uh, I mean, I won't say that I'm glad I have issues, but I will say that I, I do value the perspective that it's given me. It's given you. Yeah. The chronic pain, we didn't even get into that. I know, broken butt. <laughs> Can you briefly... Sure, yeah. Tell Essentially, what it's it like, is? I have a bunch, a bunch of health conditions, but the biggest one that's like in the last few years that's come up is that I actually have a dysfunction in my pelvic floor that just makes the muscles there super tense all the time. So it's just like sometimes I'll be in so much pain. Like in January for three weeks, I was just, there were days I couldn't get out of bed. You know, or and I did here and there. Like it's a, you, it's always surprising what you can do when you're in pain. But it's just a, it's a very intimate area to be in pain. Like, yeah. Like next week I have to go to my physiotherapist, and she's wonderful. Uh, but it's like it is a weird thing to be a 34 year old man and go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist who predominantly treats women after childbirth. Is that I was gonna say is that so that's their specialty. A common thing to you probably uh, for women who have children. Yeah, it's yeah. very common to lose sensation on one side of their you know of their of their anatomy and their genitalia, and then like or have trouble with like like peeing and like they pee too much and so like pelvic floor right. physiotherapists are magicians wow one because they're working with people in really intimate areas yeah two they they are just they're warm compassionate people like the first time i went i cried I, I bawled on the table Well, because there. they're addressing issues that mm -hmm. you probably thought would never be solved and this is it and we hold tension in funny places and for me be living my with my history with addiction and like sexual trauma and whatever else it's like I just hold a lot of tension and like awareness of the things that have happened to me there. Uh, so it's like it was it was hard. So but it's also like it's a journey. Like I'm actually going <laughs> I love that I'm not getting to say this on a podcast. I got referred for to a doctor in the valley for butt Botox. Butt Botox I know, I know. And I've heard Would that, that help? Apparently it's like the success rates for that are really, really good. Well, I mean, because Botox helps migraines too, apparently. It's used for sweating, all kinds of things. And so yeah. I've heard that they the 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 amounts of the bottle they use that comes in the ampoule or whatever, it's like a, a amount that they only have to use a fraction of it. And I don't want to be like, Well, while we're here, like yeah. if you wanna like yeah really though <laughs> yeah. yeah i got one wrinkle yeah yeah just hit it just um, zapper and i don't know i'm going going for a consult and it, thankfully it's covered by msi from as far as my oh know. that's bitchin'. yeah so i'm really excited but it's just like <laughs> the other joke that i tell all the time is that i just i've shown my butt to so many people in white jackets i'm terrified to go to the dentist <laughs> like what if i ask her to fill the wrong cavity you know like i mean it's just like go to the pharmacist to get a flu shot i'm just like mm -hmm. <laughs> taking out my pants sir you don't need to do that don't i like just oh like, my God. like so it's just but also again because I, I was so insecure with my body after going to my wonderful physiotherapist at erica burger physiotherapy in cole harbor look them up if you have any issues um i've just actually become so much more comfortable with my body like Gosh. the thought of being naked in front of other people doesn't terrify me in the way it used to Gosh. you know so it's like i went to the pool the other day with my friends and didn't even think about it. i'll just wear my trunks and Good go you. yeah it's, it's one of those things where i never conscious like i'm gonna look at my body in a really positive way but it's just somehow well, happened. i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that because i mean you do photography and you yeah. work with people like portraits and, mm -hmm. and you know you did you did my photos yeah. like you worked with me like there was areas like mm, stomach stuff of course like, that's true for anyone there's like uh, what's it like working with someone in that process where you're doing mm -hmm. something creative you're doing something for them you want them to be happy but yeah. like you're obviously seeing that they're insecure about certain things yeah what's that is that hard for you like to be working with people's insecurities like that because you hard. do i like i just gotta say you did amazing. Thank you. And I, the whole experience for me was a little daunting because it was, yeah. it was facing, you know, because 
I'm someone who's not used to being photographed. Yeah. So it was my first time doing it. And you look and, like a babe in those photos. And But that's because of you. Yeah. Because you knew ways to pose me that um, looked good. And like, you know, even in the moment where I was like, this feels weird. You're like, just trust me. And they looked amazing. Yeah. And, you know, there was, there, you. was there was pictures in there that I'm like, no, no, no. Of course. But yeah. that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. But um, like, like. It's an empowering thing yeah. to um, be like address these insecurities and learn how to tell people to pose in ways mm-hmm. that make them look good. Yeah. Um, now that said, like you know, that ain't gonna shed the weight. I gotta do no. the work to shed the weight for myself, and I gotta work on being more comfortable day to day which is a two-step thing it's like you can lose weight but you can also get more comfortable with your body and they can happen at the same time exactly photographing people it can be hard because like specifically women i think because it's, it's just a lot harder to be a woman with body issues in this world than it is for most people i think it's a challenge for thanks everyone. for acknowledging that oh my gosh that, i i i am one to say like it happens to everybody but i do think it's slightly i've more on us. worked with some of the most beautiful people i've ever met just dropped it gorgeous still as insecure as you might sound that you mm-hmm. know, have been in that moment um it's hard i mean there are a couple things that you can do like biomechanically like you stand a certain way your chin goes this way that like yeah. if it's just headshots like the whole turtle method like you bend forward your head's up yeah um, the double chin thing yeah which i feel like 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 those tricks were well you see like, a lot of girls in. do selfies in there it's like way up here it's yeah. essentially the same thing but it's like just putting it this way and you're just pushing yourself forward so that yeah it's, it's kind of the same idea yeah. um the, again it's like you take 400 photos that's a lot of photos to take but like say you take 200 there's 20 that are gonna be good there's gonna be 10 that'll be great um but it is like one thing i think i'm really good at is like holding spaces for conversations like this no technically you're holding the space right now but like i do think that my lived experiences allow me to have conversations with people about sensitive intimate issues mm-hmm. and help them come to a different side um i may be tooting my own horn here but like i've definitely had photo sessions with plenty of people who are very insecure and much as except we're still happy in the end and that's you can't ask for much more than that and that's exactly yeah. what happened to me because yeah. i watched all that photo shoot going oh god like this isn't gonna be good yeah. i don't know i don't know how good these are gonna look and like there were some shots in there that i'm like yeah yeah it's such an know? empowering feeling like and, like and it's okay that there's bad ones with yeah. any beautiful person there's gonna be bad pictures oh my gosh absolutely you I, know no, no matter how photogenic you think for you me. are <laughs> that's a but it is a weird lie. thing because for me it's always been i've always loved how i look in the mirror yeah and then i hate photographs of me yeah or like when you're walking down the street and you catch yourself in a reflection you're like oh that's how i look you know versus like when you're in the mirror you can kind of like hold yourself a certain way um no i completely agree i mean you're talking to someone i took pictures from this side of my face only for most of like my adult life and so like i think I have a better awareness of it because I've had to come to terms with my own body. Ooh, so perhaps, that's actually very, very you know, true. It's given me a different different sense. Right. And, and I'm also aware that like, when most people contact me for photos, they need the photos for a specific reason. reason. You have a, this podcast. People yeah. need headshots. People are getting married. There's always a reason why they need those photos. So what I most often ask to do, and I think I asked you as well, is I don't to ask people to tell me what photos they want. I want to always ask, like, if you had to just say how someone else will describe your photos, what five words will they use? Right. Describe the vibe. You know? And so the that vibe. people tell me that. I try to use that as, like, the framework for what I'm thinking. Sometimes I forget. But it's like, people say, I want to be fun. I want to be whimsical. I want to be sexy. At least I'm like, oh, well, that lets me know what language I need to use if I need to correct in the moment. You know, like, oh, you want whimsical? Well, do these photos look whimsical to you? Like, what are you kind of feeling like? Yeah. But also people trust me to do creative things. So that's good, too. Um, Oh, yeah. It's it's a bit of a... What a wild ride. Yeah, photo shoots are a bit like therapy sometimes, I think. So, anyway. (laughs) 
It, it really we've is. We've so many though. topics. It really is. Yeah. Like, it's such a fast, like, I have so much more respect for A, photographers, yeah. and B, models. Because mm-hmm. models, I was just thought, oh, you just got to be hot and show up. No? Oh, God, no. no. You got to be so in tune with, like, like you said, like, tension in the body and, like, yeah. where it is. And, and they've like, commodified. I learned so much from that shoot with you. They've commodified their whole entire existence, right? So it's like their moneymaker is their body. So that yeah. that's a whole other layer of fucked upness to know that you have to make money with how you look. Like, that's just, our world is so weird. Um, but it's like that's true we all are we all have to present ourselves a certain way so we're always in that same struggle it's just models have it more concentrated I think Um, but it's like we can all be beautiful too you know oh it's true there's a really great method called photo voice which is all about capturing and uh, yourself and your experience through your own narrative so kind of rebalancing the power because like we're often like told how we're supposed to look how we're supposed to think how we're supposed to feel mm-hmm. and photo voice allows you to like build your own narrative using photography it's Ooh. really cool it's used in social work a lot and like in, in community development and that's it, fascinating it's based on that it's based on this idea that like you, we should we should all have the power to be in control of our own narrative oh so which I is a struggle that. for most people it yeah. is mm-hmm. but you, let's end it on <laughs> a, the plugged end all plugs which okay. is your podcast perfect uh, quirky and or yeah. clear. So tell the listeners. I mean, they've been hearing your ad. I know it's great. I love that. So, ad. so like they might know what it is already. Yeah. But how did you? What gave? Like, what gave you the pull mm. to actually start it? Because the idea is yeah. fantastic, Thanks. which it focuses on weirdness. Yeah. And, you know, quirky people. Yeah. And well, I've always been. A- interested in storytelling it comes through my photography it comes through the writing that i do it comes through the work that i've done um and so i've often thought about like do i want a youtube series do i want to do something like that and i've i come back and forth thinking like oh i what what is my fit where where can i make a difference and in the fall things fell apart a bit for me with work and different things and all of a sudden i was like well what do i want to do what do i want to focus on that's going to bring me a bit more joy but also relate to social justice and so all of a sudden i was like i'm gonna do a podcast and then i just started talking about it a lot and then i like told like i did this project where i sent out a hundred cards to a hundred people or places in the community or anywhere that helped me survive last year so like i sent like one to my mom sent some to friends away like like a thank you card kind of yeah i called them 100 mementos and so what i did is i made lino cut prints and they're all different colors and then they say 100 mementos like a forest scene on it and then i wrote on the back of the card to each people individually like these are the projects i'm committing to here's how you help me find more freedom more vulnerability more sanctuary more harmony more how, how you helped me last year like very specifically because like i just have some really wonderful people places oh, like wow. like glitter bean cafe in halifax or alter egos that's where i did a lot of work and i was right. safe so i sent them cards um and in that process i just was like well i'm telling a hundred people i'm doing a podcast and so I was like, that means I have to have a website ready and an episode up by the time that they receive this card. And so it was like another layer of like push. push. Yeah, it was like the push that I needed because I had the pull, but I needed that extra layer. Um, but also it was nice to send out 100 cards to people that I cared about. Um, it's like gratitude. Yeah, like I sent I one know. to uh, Lori Brown, who does The Signal. I used to do The Signal. Now she has a podcast called Pondercast. She used to work for CBC. Oh, cool. Yeah, she sent me back a personal message being like, you know, this made our day here at the office. Like, it's just so great. I hope oh. you love having a podcast. I sent one to the cast and the crew of 22 minutes because i just love them and um so i just wanted to tell more stories related to otherness i saw that there was a bit of a gap around like experiences of queer or quirky people and that's something that really defines me so i was like i want to have conversations around that um i've done five interviews so far i'm doing another one this friday there's four episodes up three full episodes one teaser episode um and it's just it's funny like i listen to my teaser episode episode zero zero and it's like i listen to it i'm like oh 
it sounds the same because it's got the same great theme music from a guy here in town called Brandon Mott. Um, it goes by Field Note with DJ. And it's still good, that first episode, but it's like now I listen to the most recent episode and I'm like, oh, that's that's what I want to do. This most recent episode, I'm just so proud of it. Oh, my God. I have to listen. It's so good. We talk, I talked to April Hubbard about disability and sex. and like Oh, just really, and that's a subject that I'm fascinated. I, I would love to hear and that. she's just the most like open, gracious person like I've ever met. So oh, it's just wow. it's amazing to be able to have these conversations with people like you're doing right now for me. You're, yeah. allowing, me to have, you're allowing me to tell my story, which is you know so wonderful for me because I'll tell my story to the the poor person at the grocery store. <laughs> and you know what? It's probably, we've only scratched the surface probably. Probably. With yeah. your story. God, don't do too deep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's podcast. That's what drives so me. Cool. 2019, we're going to kill it. I think, and I think with, because I, I met you when you were just starting it mm-hmm. or when it was really new. And like, I know for a fact that when you start the podcast versus mm-hmm. it takes you a while yeah. to actually get your footing. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing against those early episodes. It's just those early episodes are you like you're testing. still coming. You're testing. Yeah. Um, and then once you hit that, hit that vibe. Yeah. It's just going to be full, full steam ahead. And I full steam ahead where I'm going to be and where I thought I was going to be are different. Like interesting. Cause I had all these different name ideas and things I was going to do. Cause I, originally I wanted to focus mostly just on mental health. And like the concept of madness. Yeah. I'm really, I'm empowered by that idea of madness and like mad pride and like, and just taking sort of like celebrating the fact that people are neurodiverse and different. But I was like, that's not also, that's just, that's not my story fully. Like I have mental yeah. health issues, but I'm not like, I don't experience psychosis. I don't have like, so like, I didn't want to tell that story in that way, but I still wanted to have space for those stories to be tell, told, but also queer stories. So I just, quirky made sense to me. Queerness made sense to me, but I didn't want to be one or the other. So it was quirky. And I like, I like queer. that it's and or. Yeah. And I like that you kind of narrate in little bits. That's was really important to me. And I it's just did very well done. I didn't know that's not what most people do. I just, I only listened to a couple podcasts. Like there's one called the hilarious world of depression where they, oh. they interview comedians and it's just, Ooh, I think you would love it. it. It saved my life probably at one point. Cause it's just, it, it, I would hear things that I just needed to hear in that moment. And I was like, right, right. Yeah. I'm lucky that this has given me a different perspective. I'm lucky that my mental health is like part of who I am. It's a hard and it creates barriers, but it's also like, I am lucky in some ways too, because it just makes me think differently. Um, yeah. More so, critically. Yeah. So that's yeah, what yeah, my yeah. podcast is. Oh. I, I hopefully somewhat like that. And I've gotten really good feedback. Like people to keep telling me it sounds like a radio show, which it I'm, sounds really uh, damn I'm, good. It's done mostly in my mom's basement. So it's like, that's uh, good to hear. Did you like, how did, did you research podcasting a lot before you started? Because that was one of the mistakes I made. Like I went in, I just jumped in. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't focus on quality as much. I was just like, get it out, just get it out. Yeah. And that's something like I, I whenever I hear of someone wanting to start a podcast, I'm like, okay, this is what you got to do. Yeah. You, <laughs> like I was just like, you got to prep, you got to prepare. You told me all kinds of things that were really helpful. You know, originally I only thought I was going to do 30 minutes and that was probably my own fear. And then you're like, you're like, F it, do, do. If people don't want to listen, one they'll thing turn I, it off. That's one thing that I learned very early on it really depends on the podcast yeah. other podcasts are much better suited to 20 to 30 minutes which is a sweet spot yeah. and i get that but like if you are diving deep into somebody yeah. oh, that sounded weird <laughs> does it <laughs> you don't Ten- you don't need more than 20 to 30 minutes yeah, it depends on what side of the coin you're looking at that situation from <laughs> but like you're talking about deep things yeah and it's like what so deep, deep conversation have you had about life that you've had has only been 20 minutes. Long, well, and also know? like there's, there's potential for harm in that too. Like you ask deep questions without giving like, for me it's fine. Cause like I have a self-awareness to like to kind of dive into my narrative cause I do it all the time. But if you're interviewing someone and they, 
maybe haven't had that space like you could harm them by asking yeah. those questions and That's then true. and they're like thank you so much for coming to my podcast here's and it's like you've just like re-traumatized that person by because i don't ever want to dig into people's narratives without their consent or without their awareness you're, you're you know? pretty much just giving them a mic to tell their story yeah and i like you I, like i yeah. talked to them ahead of time to see like these are the kind of questions i want like is there any i don't yeah. want i want you to be the driver of this but i want to ask questions that allow you to to say what you need to say without making me force you to say something exactly yeah Yeah. and i always just ask like what are your fucks like what (laughs) none left we all have some (laughs) (laughs) it's fun to not have a lot but like we all have some fucks that we're like oh this is touchy or like oh "Oh," like and even me as like and both of us are very open online Mm. we show a lot of vulnerability Mm -hmm. online yeah like is there anything in your life or is there any anything that you draw the line at like where you're like I'm not going to talk about that on social media or I'm not going to talk about that on the mm. podcast I think um, yeah of course there's always going to be limits to what you think you can share and there's some there's like a little threshold between like what's uncomfortable and what's comfortable that that's mm. where the magic is and so like I try to share within that the things that push me just a little bit but I don't want to go beyond that because then I don't want to also put myself at harm or put myself at risk but because I've lived with shame for so long from some of my behaviors and things that I've experienced I'm also like well, fuck it. Yeah. You know, I've lived nine lives and it's like, if I don't take control of my narrative, there could be a position or a time when someone uses it against me. Oh my God. You know? That's ding ding. Yeah. Cause like the, the, the second that I started embracing it yeah. and I hate saying this cause like this is, ugh, it's such an archetype, but like when I started embracing being a hot mess, quote yeah. unquote, the hot mess girl, like the girl yeah. who's like, I, I don't know. It's an archetype yeah, that absolutely. I think I've embraced. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, it's totally me. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. but when I started embracing it and not and and just being like, yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. And when I started not being cagey about the podcast, because mm-hmm. when I started, I hid it from a lot of people. Yeah. When I started just being like, this is what it is. I'm leaving yeah. it all on the floor. Yeah. Um, is the second that I think people started actually taking me more seriously. It was funny and actually caring about what I was saying. Well, I think vulnerabilities is often valued. However, it depends on your privilege, right? Like I often think, like yeah. I've been so lucky to work places where I'd be like show up as my whole self. Be like, this is me. I'm having chronic pain. I'm having this. Like I went to a job interview a couple weeks ago, and I was full on in full on chronic pain, and I had to stop the interview and be like, oh, I'm shit. sorry, I have this condition. And they were just they held space for me, but it was a nonprofit that is around mental health so they could understand that but you work at subway yeah and you're like i'm having chronic pain today and i don't know if this is true of all subways but people who make minimum wage and they're being exploited the most often don't have that freedom they don't you know and that's that's the challenge is like we have this like these media companies and like self-care influence companies being like you know just show up as your whole self and i'm like yeah you're only allowed to do that if you're part of yoga culture or if you're like a part of like a certain like upper echelon of society that allows you to have that space so it's it's sort of like this two-tiered thing it's like people with privilege can become their whole selves and then make money off of it or be valued in society because they told their story but for the other people they don't get that opportunity you're totally correct. You know? So I, it's like, oh my god, the challenge. So true. And so I want to be aware of the fact that I'm being granted this opportunity to tell my story more often than I want to. And I know there's people right. that don't like it, and they think I'm too sherry. That's fine. They're allowed to feel that way. Um, but also, it's like again, like I've been given an opportunity to do it, and I don't want to waste it because it, it feels good. But also, it's it allows me to be the version of me that I think I need to work towards. 
Ooh, so. dang, dang. Oh, I feel like I'm just talking a bumper sticker. But, but like, I mean, it helps people too. I've, I've been getting that feedback a lot that when I share something, it relates to some, someone else's experiencing. So that's definitely motivated me. and also just feels good. Yeah. Um, but it does relate to the work that I want to do and the kind of life that I hope to live that, that I'm already living, but like that I would like to continue living more. So making sure everything's aligned with the values that you have. Yeah. And if it's not, then trudging on forward. I'll, journal about it and do some tarot cards <laughs> tarot card? i forgot about tarot cards i know thing. i don't know if i brought any but uh yeah that's so fast you're such a fascinating person thank you and i'm and uh, like it, it's i'm rooting for you so hard with this podcast oh, I, appreciate I think it. it's doing so good it's such high quality stuff thank you you guys gotta subscribe please yeah quirky and or queer anywhere yes. you download podcasts i use and, anchor to, to oh, yeah, anchor, yeah. And they've, they've been great so. and follow yeah. you have, you have social media yeah on instagram i'm at t johnny so just at t-e-e-j-o-h-n-n-y i have quite a few followers on there and it's great it's mostly oh, photography yeah. related stuff and then i have at quirky and or queer for instagram yeah um, those are my main accounts. Also, I mean, I have a business with Jenny called Elope Halifax. Elope Halifax is so yeah. cool. That's so, the coolest thing ever. So please check that out. And uh, I showed you the uh, Jenny's video of oh, the you? whole wedding. Oh, the Jack Astors? Yeah. The, last night marriage? when I was high with my friends. <laughs> did they laugh? Oh, yeah. They okay, loved good. It. They were shocked that like... Jack Astor's did so good at the wedding. Jack, honestly, I'm highly critical of organizations usually and like, especially like chains. And I was really nervous because marriage is very much a heteronormative like institution. Mm -hmm. And so Jenny and I were doing it. It was funny. It was going to be funny. But then like putting on the clothes and like seeing her in the dress, like it does trigger this part of your brain. Be like, oh, there's another world out there or another universe where like this is actually what I might be doing. Um, Right? Isn't that bizarre? I can imagine that would be weird. Yeah. My mom had a bit of discomfort with it because like it it is this thing, right? Like I don't know if I'll ever get married. Um, And maybe I will. But so I went into Jack Astor's with all this sort of like, it, it made me think may, way more. It wasn't just fun. It was like, it made me think a lot about my what I wanted out of life. And then we get to Jack Astor's and the server like didn't do 60%, 70%, 80%. She went 130% Aww. into it. Like it was so funny. We, Jenny so and I were cool. like, you and her are so similar. That's what, yeah. She messaged me and I don't know, like I think. The server messaged you? Do you have her Instagram, the no. servers? No, because we gave her your information. We That's so funny. We're, we're I'm going to have to try to find her because I think I did get a follow was her name Andrea yes yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. let me actually just anyway she them. was great Jack Astor's was great Jenny and I were both really surprised by the whole experience at the end they were like so are you guys actually married and Jenny and I were like uh, no and she's <laughs> like oh and the, we could see that they felt a little maybe awkward about it because it we were like sort of making fun of the institution of marriage, which is what Jack Astor's is also doing, which I think there should be space for because it is it, things can just be funny as well. Yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. No, but then they were like, we told me we were business partners and friends, and Jen and they like loved it. They paid for our food, like they comped our food. I it was, saw that. It was just it was. I would highly recommend it. It was really really wonderful, and it was just it, it was fun. So, oh my gosh, so yeah. fun. Must be so fun to have like a close friend that you can kind of create things with like that. And she lives like like two streets away from where I live. So it's just That's convenient. so cool. So we did Burger Bus yesterday. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we share like very Mox similar perspectives. Cool. So Mox yeah. is great. Definitely check out her Instagram at, at Jenny Pez and like follow. Um, she has a cult. Uh, uh, we started a cult. We started a cult. Moxie podcast. Munchies. Yeah, her and May. Um, so many things going on. What so a many things. And what her YouTube channel, rubber. Moxie Munchies, is so good. So Because you've had her on here before. A couple oh, yeah, yeah. For mukbangs yeah. and stuff. I freaking love. Like, it's just so cool to make friends with people yeah. who are doing similar things. Because I, I found my people. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And I'm so grateful for it. And so grateful for like you're like doing the pictures for me yeah. like working with someone that I was so comfortable with it's just so nice no I've had a great time and I feel the same way like this year is already so much better than last year and yeah. I just think like 
yeah, just foot forward, creative and compassion, like just drive with those and it'll just hopefully lead you to places and to people that mirror what you want out of life. Exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. Find your community. Yeah. It's so important. And if you don't, steal someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, Tyler, Tyler T. Johnny. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Oh, God, my on. pleasure. Thank you so much this for having was, me. Thanks so much for, like, taking time out of you. I know you're busy with stuff. I'm off to improv I'm, now. I, I appreciate... Oh, my God. Imp- plug that. <laughs> yeah, we have two shows. Um, but by the time this comes out, it might be... It'll be late. Friday. So we have more Hello shows Hello City, out. right? So I'm not with Hello City, but we're doing a show with Hello City. Okay. I'm part of the Improv Conservatory through Neptune. Ooh. Yeah, so we're doing... A sh- we're doing uh, the open stages at Carlton tomorrow, and then we're doing Hello City on Tuesday. And, like, I love improv. I've been doing comedy improv for a while, and, but it's like this is the first time I've done it, like, consistently as a practice. So it's, it's exciting. It's also nerve-wracking, but it's, like, I do enjoy it. It's a part of the greater, like... Be whimsical, be weird, embrace it. And yeah. dip your toe in. Yeah, totally. You don't have to, yeah. Don't have to be perfect. You can just show up and it can be its own thing. Dip your, and uh, this guy's also comedic as fuck. <laughs> Add that yeah. to the list. You got so, like, you're really a jack of all trades. You know I'm, that, I'm right? greedy. Like, you really <laughs> yeah. have, like, multiple hats. Yeah, too many. Like, if I were to draw a picture of you, it would just be hats on top of hats on top of hats. Which is hard because I have a really big head, so finding hats that fit is just <laughs> so challenging. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But thanks so much for Thank coming you so on. Much, yeah. And like, let's cheers our coffees. Cheers. And you need to end the episode with a bell ring. Ring oh, that okay. bell. Make uh, it good. Ring that bell. Ring that bell. Ooh, also a singer. <laughs> thanks so much. Hey there, guys. It's Mark Adam from the Parenting Podcast. Join me and my co-host, Katie G, every week for a brand new episode. We talk about parenthood and kids. We talk about it from every single angle. We talk about the lows, the highs, the laughs, and the cries. Join us. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are found. And don't forget to join our community. You can start by visiting us on Facebook, facebook.com slash parenting. It's like parenting with an A in the middle because we like to rant about stuff. Anyway, you get it. We'll see you there.